I'm gonna put this chart. Oh, is in... that the S and P at the bottom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna put this chart in the bottom right of the screen. And the beautiful part about it is it is all red and blue. So this this is this is a bipartisan chart right here. This shows you. <laughs> Good to see them come together. On... <laughs> they all came together on something. Yeah, they came together to rob you blind. The uh, this is just one year. This is why you're locked in your home, by the way. This... They gave you twelve hundred bucks for that. <laughs> this is one year. What's cooking, everybody? If you are on YouTube right now, please hit that subscribe button, hit that like button on the video, and as always, would love to hear from you guys in the comments section. To everyone who has been leaving likes and comments on these videos over the past month or two, it has been absolutely awesome, an enormous help, and I really, really appreciate it. You guys are helping this page go. To everyone who is listening on Apple or Spotify right now, Thank you for checking out the show there. If you haven't already, be sure to hit the follow button on either one of those platforms. And I look forward to seeing you guys again for future episodes. Also, there is now the five-star review system on Spotify, as I mentioned last week. So if you go to the show's page, right beneath the picture, like the logo of the show, there will be an option. You click it. You give the show five stars to the people who have done that. Big help. Would love to see that number grow. And there is still the five-star review system with a written comment as well if you guys have time to do that on Apple Podcasts. Now, I am joined in the bunker today by Mr. Mac Kemenosh. Mac is my Bitcoin guy, but he's a lot more than a Bitcoin guy. He's a society guy. He's somebody who has a lot of commentary on things that are going on, but frankly had a lot of the correct calls at the very beginning of the pandemic, which is something I put a lot of stock into when he talks about where he sees trends going. So I wanted to get him in here to discuss the state of things. And the way it worked out was this podcast kind of broke down into two parts. The first hour 40, hour 45 is a lot about Bitcoin and digging deep and going back and forth on where everything stands there. What's nice is that when he's coming in right now, Bitcoin is not necessarily in a bull market. So it's a good time to discuss this when everyone's not just like jumping on the train and all that. And we can talk about it as a philosophical instrument. So we talked a lot about the Lightning Network and how that works, the obstacles to BTC setup, game theory and nation states with Bitcoin, which is very interesting if you've seen what's happened in El Salvador and maybe now some other places coming up. We'll see. And then Mac also had a great theory on the Grateful Dead and Bitcoin. And so that was in the middle of the show where he, he gave a really good parallel there. I, I liked it a lot. But the last hour 20 was entirely different. Frankly, we were laughing a lot, talking about a variety of topics, including insider trading in Congress, the Epstein, or should I say the Maxwell trial and everything around that, the World Economic Forum, the state's movement during the pandemic, some funny Bill Clinton stuff, cyber attacks, the Las Vegas shooter, if you remember that one, we, we went back to that and discussed that in a grander scheme of something, and the Streisand effect. So there was more in there, but very good wide-ranging conversation, just how we like it. Loved having Mac back in here, and I hope you guys enjoy that said, you know what it is. I'm Julian Dory, and this is Trendfire. Let's go. This is one of the great questions in our culture. Where is the news? You're giving opinions and calling them facts. You feel me? Everyone understands this, but few seem to do it. If you don't like the status quo, start asking questions. Was the wedding normal? Because you guys did it. 
in what like october or november when they were like all flipping out again yeah it was it was crazy like we delayed it a year then everything was fine last summer right um and then we were coming up on our date in october and they started to kind of like shut everything down again they wanted to have like a private police force a private police force come and like enforce mask mandates like you gotta be kidding me at our wedding well it's a philadelphia venue everybody in philadelphia government is a bunch of scumbags wow common trend cross government um (laughs) so you know her like mentor and one of her good friends and i would consider a good friend now um mary has like a house up in kind of the princeton area oh so you changed venues so we totally switched the venue did it like kind of like an outdoor like barn wedding dance floor on the tennis court honestly it was was probably the best thing that could have happened It, it turned into like such a unique occasion and like unforgettable so so that worked, that worked out well. Yeah, all's well that, that ends well, for sure. Yeah, it looks sick. I saw all the pictures and everything. I yeah. didn't know you had to change that. Oh, yeah, that was like a brand new venue. Wow. That was like a total, total transition. It's amazing that the same places that are enforcing shit like that or were enforcing shit like that and maybe still are in October, September, pretending like they know what they're talking about are the same places now that are backing these bigger places, the CDC and some of the government public health entities that are now saying all the things that would get people banned from Twitter, like literally six months ago. Yeah, I mean, what's the the running joke on Twitter? It's like being a conspiracy theorist is being six to 12 months early. Because literally the same stuff that would get you banned, you know, it's, it's coming from the top at this point in time. But I have to say, I'm, I'm appreciating the total meltdown of clown world. Because in Bitcoiner world, Bitcoin still keeps producing a block every 10 minutes. It's not going anywhere. Since we last talked, El Salvador is buying Bitcoin. So you have the first country buying Bitcoin. That ignites kind of the game theory there, right? To, to kind of start the space race, if you will, of, of who can acquire the most Bitcoin at a nation state level. The, can, can we start with that, actually? Can you explain that to people who aren't familiar? Because that was that was huge news. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a watershed moment, right? Yeah. Like, I think last we had, last time I was here, like Sailor had already started buying. There's been some large private entities buying Bill Miller, right? Yes, legendary all investor. that was happening. Yes, so that that was already happening. But you know, once you have a country start to put their strategic reserves into Bitcoin, you've kind of moved the level up, right? Like you're no longer talking about private enterprises; you're talking about literal nation states putting their country's treasury into right. Bitcoin. Um, and this was all from the president, right? It was his idea to yeah. do the whole thing. Naya Bukele. Yeah. Hopefully not yeah. botching the name. Hilarious on Twitter, by the way. Yeah. He's actually like, he gets it on yeah. Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, like some, uh, like CNN Muppet was like, oh, he's the only, uh, world leader that buys Bitcoin from his, from his phone. And he like quote tweeted it and he said, naked. He said what? He said naked. Like I'm buying it naked on my phone. He just doesn't give a shit, Uh, which I thought was awesome. But no, like once you have nation states starting to acquire Bitcoin, you know, it gets other countries to start turning their head. Like I saw today on on the ride over, the mayor of Rio de Janeiro is putting 1% um, of Rio de Janeiro's strategic reserves or or their cash assets into Bitcoin. They're giving um, a 10% discount if you pay your taxes in Bitcoin. So it starts. They're giving a ten percent discount on taxes. Yeah, if you pay pay in Bitcoin, that's a big number. Yeah, 
Wow. Right? So it starts, it's like dominoes falling, right? Like the Bill Miller, the the Michael Saylors of the world, that's kind of like in the investment community, right? Like those dominoes start start to fall and those dominoes are still unfolding, right? I don't don't think we've seen that end, but it's just a whole nother level of, of dominoes that starts this this trickle-down effect. Um, I think Peru is mulling it over. Argentina is mulling it over. All rumors, that's all, all hearsay. I don't think we can can back that up. But for a con- country like Argentina or a country like Venezuela, Bitcoin's already an escape valve um, for those folks that are dealing with you know huge levels of hyperinflation, which could be coming to uh, a Wegmans near near us that's what i'm saying too. like it's, it's, it's already starting yeah, yeah. it's already starting. like what are they reporting inflation at now seven percent or something yeah which is a, it's a lie yeah it's I mean, really it's got to be 15 do we talk about like what the cpi is nope. previously like so the consumer price index i don't know what it is maybe we can can pull it up like in terms of like the actual criteria i do know it excludes like energy housing food um, so basically everything that you need to live and exist every day, I believe is, uh, excluded from the consumer price index. So there's some glaring gaps there. Um, and that's how they're measuring. Got it. I understand right. what you're saying. So it's just a total like disingenuous measurement. I mean, look, other nations obviously did this a lot. I mean, China obviously is the main example of a company that's been cooking the books since the beginning of time, but they're not a democracy. No. They can do that because their government says what they want and no one can do anything about it. It gets a little scary to me when we do it here in a democracy, quote unquote, and people don't <laughs> quotes. Yeah, people don't question it. And you know, I even saw this stat about the M1 money supply, which starts to get a little complex once mm-hmm. you start getting towards like all these terms that people are like, what the fuck, including me. But it was something like 80% of it changed or was increased, not changed, was increased over the last, like, since the beginning of the pandemic. And yeah. you, you hear something like that, and without even understanding the full context and going into the definitions, you're like, well, that can't be good. No, it certainly can't. When it took us, what, 225 <laughs> years to get to, to point A before we get to point B, where, it, you know, the money supply, yeah, I believe has increased... We'll have to check these numbers, but I think it's gone from like six trillion to twenty trillion since the start of the pandemic. And you gotta ask where that money's going. Everybody got their twelve hundred and they locked you away for two years. Hope that worked <laughs> out for you. Um but no, you you've seen like five hundred billionaires created. You know, not saying that they're trying to destroy the middle class and, and divide everyone, but uh if they were, not really sure what they do do differently than than the last couple years and look none of it's worked like let's just be honest let's look at the numbers of of where we're at currently and none of it's worked you're talking about all the policy especially since the pandemic yeah the lockdown the unlockdown you're allowed out to riot then you're gonna (laughs) lock back down before the election now we're gonna pivot before midterms like if you can't see that it's a, a political spectacle with with really no regard for public health um you know, I don't know what to tell you at this point in time because it just flat out all of the the policies over the last couple of years they just haven't worked. We have a record number of cases in the United States, across the world. I think we got to just like move on. With, well, the, with life. The, the good news is, let's say this: these latest cases have a significant percentage of them. It's not all of them. It's yeah. not 
80%, but it's a lot of them, happen to be this Omicron one. And I don't understand why we're not saying it like this, but to me, whatever the Omicron is, is like the best news we've gotten during COVID because oh, yeah. it's the least dangerous. It's like the first one that it's like, well, shit, this one's not dangerous. Every other one, they're like, well, you got to die of this or die of that. And now it's like, well, everyone's getting it and everyone's mostly fine. Yeah, like you couldn't engineer it better. So I, I agree with you. It should be viewed in like a super positive light and you know it's not it's not to make light of it i know it's been like a a serious thing but um you know we we haven't considered the trade-offs and you look at fentanyl overdoses at at an all-time high like uh, child anxiety and depression and like teen issues in terms of like mental health are are spiking and you know i hope we don't go down as the only group of of humans in in history that have you know sacrificed the the younger generation for for the old, right? Like we should be thinking long term and like and putting the kids first and you know, thinking about a kid that like hasn't had a normal middle school experience or a high school experience or like a, a college freshman that's been robbed of like their first two years of college. Um you know, that's sad. That's that's like some heartbreaking shit. And you know, again, it's not to say that it's it's not serious, but we gotta start doing like cost benefit analysis and it's it's funny to see like the mainstream start to do that two years in, right? Well there's a good question. I talked about this with Bill Fasciolo a few weeks ago where we were wondering about some of the motivations behind what we see going on or changes we see, which is sad you got to think this way. But to give some more context on you, frankly, you're somebody who sounded the alarm on the slippery slope of a lot of this stuff early. As far as like anyone I know, maybe the earliest of anyone. I mean, you were you were starting to wonder like, okay, this might be a disastrous precedent we're setting like a week and a half or two weeks in or something like that after the actual pandemic Probably itself like started. Okay. A month and a half. So we'll we'll say a month. Everything that you seem to have at least broadly predicted as a failure of public health, much like what you just outlined that we know now came true and i i put a lot of stock in that and i don't forget that when i'm looking forward now when the narrative seems to at least slowly and carefully almost like planned a little bit it seems to start to be starting to change and you have seen now over the past call it three four weeks comments come out like the cdc completely changing their guidance on quarantining from 10 days to five Mm -hmm. just very unilaterally i guess you could say you've seen i saw fauci actually said a couple days ago or a week ago or something like that whatever it was it was within the last week where he's like virtually virtually everyone will be getting covid yeah i feel like i heard nails on a chalkboard yeah the same but he said something like that so he admitted that whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated you're going to be getting it We've seen it started with like that face the nation show, but now there's a lot of other people talking about it, including Brian Stelter going on TV talking about it, where they are going over what you just outlined, which is the effect on the kids. What's the trade off here? Mm-hmm. Are we really going to think about this? And there were a couple others. I can't remember them right now, but the, the bottom line is all the opposite things of what have been force fed to us yeah. across unilaterally across the board are now starting to break and the same people who were force feeding it are the ones trying to say like, oh no, this is what we got to think about now. Don't worry about it. Like, you know, we're, we're getting with the times guys. Yeah. 
I mean, it's it's stunning to watch. I, you know, what's the best way to say this? I hope that everyone realizes that they fucking hate you. They don't yeah. give a shit about you. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's not an original thought. I, I think I saw it elsewhere, and I felt like we were going in to kind of like a darker and darker time as this emergency's lasted for for two years. And I think actually we're like breaking through and like the old paradigm is kind of like melting down. It's melting down in real time. It took Joe Rogan asking three questions to to like literally torch the mainstream media, which has been an absolute delight to watch. And like in what, in what podcast? um, Who do you talk to? Dr. Robert Mercola and and Dr. Robert Malone. And look, Joe Rogan's the biggest podcaster in the entire world. Love a show, listen to it, but I don't think anything he did on that show was like particularly groundbreaking. He just asked questions, weighed both sides, had some measured thinking. Like, wasn't extreme by any means. And in fact, it's so weird to be like neutral or in the middle that that is now yes. extreme. Now, you know what I mean. Yep. But you know, I think last time I was here, more hyped on Bitcoin, probably in terms of like price. But now I just like view it as a tool right like as this old kind of like paradigm melts down bitcoin's like merely a tool for us to become like a more connected conscious society like based off of based off of just like critical thinking and being grounded in concepts like math that are like irrefutable versus these goalposts mm. always kind of like changing right like if you look at the last two years it's always it's always changing and it's it's always a fear-based society, right? Like if you think about us growing up, we've been in a constant state of war since we were in like what? 6th grade since 9/11, right? So that's 2001. Yeah, so for so for the last for the last 20 years, it's always some type of fear tactic that, you know, has the masses, you know, clutching their pearls and hiding in their underground bunker and I don't think we need to live in a fear-based society. I think Bitcoin is one of the best tools to kind of like strip that away. I think as like the the narrative melts down, you know, I hope it's a chance for, it's hard to to realize that like <laughs> what you've been believing in your entire life is a total fucking farce. But I think that's, you know, more than anything, that's what Bitcoin's given me, right? Like it's, if you understand Bitcoin, you have that eureka moment, it kind of strips away the current construct and you're like holy shit this is like masking tape and elmer's glue and like popsicle stick (laughs) and it's like underneath it there's this like robust organism that's like spreading around the world right bitcoin's becoming more distributed it's becoming more globally adopted you have countries buying it now and it's like we can build something it's a lot easier to rebuild something right now than trying to salvage the current trash heap and I think Bitcoin's mm. a foundation for that. It's just a tool, but I think the most important thing is like we have to get reconnected as like human beings to each other. You know, having mass on for the last couple of years is just one example. Like it's dehumanized. You don't see people's faces. And like you don't have to like everybody, but we just need to like tap into the fact that we're all living this human experience and just kind of like get back to that like person to person empathy. I feel like that's lost. Like, the pandemic's kind of like turned it on its head. Like we all look at each other as like a threat vector. 
like that's what they've trained you to do so yes that's what they've trained you to do so that was probably a little bit of a rangy rangy yeah i I, I want to reel it back in (laughs) because it's i I understand why i understand why you're thinking about that because of the whole like bitcoin is a theme there but for the people listening who aren't necessarily Bitcoiners or don't, you know, they hear it and they're like, all right, what the fuck? Yeah. They hear something like that and you're talking about a lot of things simultaneously that either they completely understand, which is the things going on in society mm-hmm. and how we're at this paradigm shift, which I want to dig into. But then you're tying it back to Bitcoin and they're like, wait, what, is, what does that mean? And so if you could define it for people like why you say Bitcoin is this vector to be freedom to be freedom and tear the paradigm down and shift it or so to speak sure. like what does that mean and I'm trying to think like how to ask this in the most simple way but why does it have to be Bitcoin and like why is that so special in this type of scenario Yeah I think it has like the first mover advantage right um it's the most robust crypto ecosystem if if you want to call it that and you know the title of of the white paper is a peer-to-peer electronic cash system the bitcoin white paper bitcoin white paper that's the subtitle peer-to-peer electronic cash so when i say it, it helps tear down the paradigm it rips apart the middlemen and the money changers really the government the federal reserve it takes all of that away it's just you and me exchanging value digitally we don't need any of that we don't need them all they've done is inflate away your life savings and value all they've done is charge you fees we'll have to look this up but i believe that like the five main banks have charged i don't know if it's in the billions it might be in the billions they've charged billions in like overdrawn atm fees to basically people that have no money like that's disgusting yeah, I'll, I'll confirm that. I don't even have to look that up. That was true. You know like, what I mean? It's that like, was over a certain so recent period. Before yeah. you shed a tear for them, these are the people that like we're we're cutting out. So when I when I say like tear down the paradigm, it's it's ripping out. If you're looking to surf the web privately and not have every single website track you after you leave, check out my friends over at Privato VPN. When I went to go use this product for the first time back in the end of October, my number one hurdle was I needed to make sure I did not lose speed while actually accessing it. And the team over at Privato, Ryan and Una, had told me that would not happen, and they backed it up. It didn't. It's phenomenal. It works seamlessly. You can't even tell it's on. So you get the benefit, and you keep the convenience. If you guys would like to try this as well, use that link in my description for Privato. There's two. There's 8sleep and Privato. Use that link for Privato, and you will go to my Privato landing page, where you will see a plan for $4.99 a month. That is the same one I use. It's terrific, and you can get your own today. So use that link, check the $4.99 a month plan, and let me know what you think. The middlemen that are essentially rent seekers that provide no value but function like leeches on a transaction that can just be done between me and you on a phone now. And I think that creates a, a better society because your money is better spent in your hands, my money is better spent in my hands than having it you know, sucked by these like leeches throughout the entire system, the biggest of all being governments around the world. Like, right. First of all, they can print money out of thin air, so I, nobody has yet to give me justification for taxes when they're just printing money out of thin air but go down that route (laughs) (laughs) different time but it's a good point like if they can print money why do they need to i just looked at my w2 it's disgusting because it's a percentage 
Yeah. Because they keep, as the percentage stays the same and the money supply increases, the money supply of that percentage increases. So it stays relevant to whatever they print. They could print. Now, eventually, obviously, you and I both know the chicken comes home to roost and it's, it's all here. over. Yeah. And, and you could argue that it is here and it's knocking at the door and maybe not everyone can see it yet and the final effects aren't there. But what are we going to do about it to stave off the disaster that strikes when a currency dies? You know, I, I look at – like I look at banks mm-hmm. and corporations even. I'll go there and just use the whole system and like the central government a little bit differently because depending on the situation, one has the other by the balls. Yeah. Right? And so like look at tech for a second, the, mm-hmm. the tech sector. Tech has the government by the balls because they basically simulate where attention is going to be. Mm-hmm. They incentivize things like Marjorie Taylor Greene and AOC to happen because they go, this is what people will click on mm-hmm. and that therefore will become the norm of what a politician's supposed to be. And so in a way, who, who's really running the government when you look at it like that? If they are sending the people that they want there, yeah. they're kind of running it. Now you look at banks. Banks are – they have a ton of influence in the government, no doubt. So there's certain things where you could make the same argument. But then they're also basically owned by the government. They mm-hmm. are completely by the balls of the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. In fairness to them, they didn't choose to print all this money. The Federal Reserve did. And they then are also public entities, so they got to return money as shareholders. Yep. So while you were talking, I pulled it up. In the year 2020 alone, 2020, mm-hmm. pandemic, right? $12.4 billion in overdraft fees from the banks. Okay, so that, that co- that's called covering operating costs for all of you people out there who review balance sheets once in a while. Jeez. you know, And they're doing that at the bottom of like a disastrous economy where the everyman, which is who they're taking this from mm-hmm. by and large, is trying to get $1,200 from the government just to survive, not even realizing that the government just took that out of thin air from the money tree. You know, It is a crazy thing to put together in your head, but where the Bitcoin aspect of it comes in is – and we talked about this part last time, but you always got to bring this up for people that haven't heard that or don't understand some basic ideologies of it. It's like it's capped at 21 million Bitcoins. Yep. We already have minus the ones that are missing forever. We already have a little less than 19, like 18.6 or it's something like that. not a lot like to that. be mined left. Right? right. So we already have most of it in circulation. Yep. And because it is set up on a smart contract – decentralized, meaning no one controls it. We don't know who the founder was, Satoshi Nakamoto. That can never be changed. And so no human being can kick the can down the curb and print away your wealth. It's a spot on summary of it. I think that's the, the key value proposition there that, you know, it's deflationary, right? And I think you know, the Federal Reserve will tell you, like, inflation is good for the economy, but it's not. It's it's not good for the end consumer. It's a, it's a hidden tax. It's a it's actually the most insidious tax out there. Like, they're saying the CPI is 7%, right? Mm-hmm. So if you didn't get a 7% raise this year, you're losing money. Really, if you didn't get, like, a 20% yeah. raise this year, you're losing money, right? Losing money in the sense that if you were able to buy... A 10 ounce soda before 
Now you can buy an eight ounce soda for the same amount of money, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're just they're screwing everyone every which way, and one of these days it's going to stop. And I think Bitcoin is going to be the dagger that does it. But I, I feel like we're coming to that watershed moment, right? Like I, I think we're getting close. Like it does feel like we're at a, a big shifting point in society. It's it's been a long time. It's probably been since like World War II that we've had like a really big societal shift. You're coming up on like a a hundred years. When was the American Revolution? Three seventeen seventy six to seventeen seventy five. Two hundred fifty years. Yeah. So like if you look throughout history, every two hundred fifty years there's like a big big turning. And I every think eighty years you could say, but yeah. Every yeah, every eighty years. Yeah. Um but I think we're I think we're getting close, and I think it's a huge opportunity. We have all the tools to build, I think, something fantastic that's more like local, more tapped in, like more tapped into your neighbors. And a lot of that is like the peer-to-peer exchange with Bitcoin. That's why I say that it, that it kind of will take down the existing power structures because, you know, what if you're out here, you know where we're at, like, you know, you go directly to a farmer, maybe he's got tomatoes, boom. Payment Bitcoin, phone to phone, right? Or maybe there's a cattle farm around here and you want to buy a cow for the year and, and freeze it. Boom, phone to phone. Like you don't need you don't need all of these organizations that have like positioned themselves as middlemen. So when you say like decentralized, I think it's really important. I think decentralized sometimes sounds like aloof. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But decentralized really just means me to you. So it's actually more intimate and like holistic and we have more responsibility but we have more to gain from it by just like transacting directly um so i think yeah decentralized sometimes sounds like cold but really what it means is me and you without all the other nonsense and i think that's a great thing and if you look at how that spider webs out you know across the globe like if everybody starts transacting in a decentralized fashion just creates these like positive effects where everyone's more tapped into the people around them versus looking up like everyone's looking you know what's the directive from on high like that's yes that's what everyone's been doing for the last couple of years and i, I don't think it's working that well because we're all individuals we all have different means and goals and wants and the more dynamic that is like the the more we can just do that on like a one-to-one basis, the more organic it is. And it, it just builds like a, a better foundation than, you know, this, this top-down approach just, it just doesn't work. I mean, I think the last couple of years and really even since 2008 in the financial markets just demonstrate that yes. like a top-down heavy-handed approach, it, it doesn't work for, for a world of, of 8 billion people. But I think if you let everyone make their own decisions and come what may, like people will always do the best for themselves. And it's just a, I think it creates a firmer, better, more organic foundation. In my opinion, if you look at history, and there's certainly exceptions to this, but trust is something that tends to disintegrate over the course of one specific cycle of a generation. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is the kids who were born into the 9-11 world – so yeah. call it the kids born 97 and later. But I could even go earlier than that. Yeah, right? I would say we were born into it, right? Like yeah, 90s-ish. yeah. But, but there might be, uh, 
for you, I mean, you're what, like five years older than me, six years older yeah, than me, something I'm like that. Old. So, well, you're getting up there a little bit. So am I. But there's like, there's a world that you may know that's like a little more innocent before mm-hmm. that. I don't know how much I know that, but I I do know that I lived through at least like five, six years of it, something yeah. like that, and could comprehend a couple things at least. The kids that were born in 98, 99, they don't know any of that. They only know a world of chaos. They only know the world of what you talked about 10, 15 minutes ago. They only know a world of fear. Yeah. And so once you had that crisis happen in 08, 09, the average kid watched like their parents struggle. Yeah. They watched them never truly recover. They see their parents now, 12 years later, still looking at the bills and not even talking about retirement or actually let's take it another level. And let's say they even see how politically involved they are and how opinionated they are because they're angry, righteously Mm -hmm. so. And they see their friends, parents, it's the same way. And then people get mad at each other because they have different beliefs. And all these kids, what they do have in common, regardless of where they stand or what they think of the world is that they don't trust shit. Yeah. They don't trust any institutions. They, I mean, just go look at some basic comments on bullshit posts on social media about nothing, just in pop culture. They are constantly questioning every single thing that happens, so much so that what you saw throughout the 2010s is, especially with the internet and the youngest generation driving the volume of the internet, mm-hmm. that thought process of lack of trust bled over into all the other generations yeah so that same perspective they have in my opinion is what a an overwhelming majority of people across all generations up to even the oldest people we have in existence happen to now feel which is fuck all this yeah these people and by these people all of them the the government the the corporations whatever we whether we completely disagree on how to handle it which clearly is the case Mm -hmm. in, in a lot of different directions Either way, we, we agree they're all full of shit, and, and this, this has to end. Yeah. So now bringing back in the Bitcoin point, you know, how – first of all, how close are we to, to actually transacting in the simple way that, that you just pointed out, like going to a farmer and paying for something phone-to-phone in, in Bitcoin immediately, instantaneously? I mean we're there. Lightning Network exists. Like you, you have instant payments. Can you explain Lightning Network and Jack Mallers and everything? <laughs> Let's do that. I kind of, I was hoping you were going to say that, so this it's, worked out. Well. I mean, it's a look. I, I do not bring like the technical background to Bitcoin. I, I view it more from like a historical, political, monetary history lens. But essentially, what Lightning Network is is a second layer solution. So Bitcoin is like the base layer of settlement. And Lightning sits on top of it. When you say settlement, what do you mean by that? Meaning that the transaction is hashed, right? So it's projected out to the network, and then it's um, essentially immortalized, put in amber, right? Like every Bitcoin transaction is just, imagine like amber stacking up Mm -hmm. on top of itself, right? So at the settlement layer... Creating a fossil. Yeah, creating a fossil. So, you know, it's baked, it's buried... You can't touch it. There's not enough computing power in the universe to to undo that transaction once it gets continually baked into the blockchain or the time chain. And so as an example, just to extrapolate on what you're saying, let's just use it of 
you are paying Jim in Bitcoin. You're yeah. paying him one Bitcoin for something. And that what you just explained with building in the amber and also how it hashes out and builds the block within the chain, mm -hmm. hence the name, is this, the speed is increasing with which that happens. So the question that a lot of people have is like, how does that happen? And that's where we get to proof of work. Yep. And so this is the reason I bring all this up because proof of work involves people around the world, regular developers being incentivized to to come together as individuals as a part of a community to confirm these transactions mm -hmm. as they happen. And so a criticism of Bitcoin has been that well, when it gets overheated and too many people are transacting, which yep. you'd have to expect if it became money, sure. everyone's going to be transacting in it. Oh, there's not enough devs sometimes because it's not a centralized system that's organized. Yeah, yeah. So Lightning Network, you're saying, is now the second level and or second layer. Yeah. And what does that mean? Yeah, How does so, that change that? So I think the probably the best way to think about it is like your bank account, your personal bank account. It's kind of like a settlement layer, right? And yes. the best example would be like a credit card that you can run on top of it, right? So when you're using the Lightning Network, it opens up a transaction on that main Bitcoin settlement network, but it's a channel that stays open. So you can have funds go in and out until you decide to close that channel, and then it gets baked into the blockchain. So there's still an accounting methodology there, the same way that your credit card statement comes due. Eventually, you have to pay it. Eventually, you have to kind of like close that channel and settle it. But what it allows for is is instantaneous payment basically right on top of, of the Bitcoin network with the Bitcoin network as kind of like the underlying guarantee that, that it will be settled. So that's like an overly gotcha. okay. simplistic uh, that was really ex good. explanation of it. Like yeah. Jack Mahler's is a beast and he could probably lay it out. He's like a kid too. He's like 25 or something. He's Dude. young. He's he figured man. it out. He's the man. So – that essentially is the, the the question people would have coming back to that as like a as a devil's advocate is well does this could this cause double counting yeah you know because it's not what you're saying is it's not happening live it's literally like a credit card you mm -hmm. agree that like you're putting it in this system so whenever the devs can get to it they'll settle it but yeah this happened I traded one bitcoin for this thing it's on the blockchain on the Lightning Network this way so because the entire concept of bitcoin is built upon that consistent supply and knowing exactly what's in front of us with from an inflationary standpoint you know people there could be some people who are like well does that mean we're gonna have clog ups and backups because oh wait there were transactions here that didn't then settle with this one and now this bitcoin's here and and by the way there's no government backstop with yeah. any of this that's the best part um <laughs> No, because there's still that accountability, right? So if you if you try and game the system, like if you try and double spend on on Bitcoin, I think that's something that's important to to understand. And you've kind of like hinted at it in terms of like hash power and, and proof of work. The miners serve the network. This is why the China FUD was always hysterical. It's probably the best thing to happen to Bitcoin this year is that China actually finally banned mining. All of that mining has now been distributed across the entire world. It's a beautiful thing. And why was it all happening in China? Not all of it, but why was such a large well, volume of it happening there? In a scary way, they have a monopoly on semiconductor manufacturing, which yeah. is super important for for high-velocity, high-power computers. Um, 
they manufacture most computers in China. Not aware of computers getting manufactured really anywhere. No, else that it's I pretty can, much yeah, it's pretty I much can, all there. So they have a manufacturer. They have a manufacturing monopoly on hardware, and then um, what is it? The Guangzhou region probably botched it. I don't give it. Like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, yeah, that's correct. So they have a huge. It's in the south. Yeah. So basically, it's seasonal, right? So they have a huge amount of hydroelectric power, and then they basically flip the miners to another region in the winter. So it's like seasonal, but it's always juiced. And they have these like huge, just a huge amount of hydroelectric power. So they have cheap hardware, and essentially free energy. So that's why Bitcoin was pretty centralized. They're like 60% of the hash rate, meaning the computing power pointed at the Bitcoin network was located in China. And once they banned it, it's like, that's what I love about it. It's actual true capitalism, not the fucking fascist bullshit we have going on here dude they just pack the miners up send them to kazakhstan send them to the u.s send them around the world and just like immediately plug that 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 computing power back in as soon as possible that when you say they pack the miners up the people that own those mining units so kind of the, the oh god so yours okay all right wait that's a little different so what I thought you were getting at for a minute there was that a lot of this was kind of like government sponsored no, when no, they no. were doing it. So it was like this backhanded, like, oh, we're ripping Bitcoin publicly, but we're all, well, you know. I think there is a little bit of that if you're thinking like if you're thinking like three or four D chess. But no, these are all private entities, private companies, private citizens. If such a thing exists in China that owned you know Bitcoin miners and and were basically powering the network, but. Yes, if you if you think that China didn't really ban it because they've banned Bitcoin what like fifty a hundred times fifty times at this point they actually that was you know I usually have to give them credit for being great totalitarians yeah. but like they've really mismarketed that they've done it so many the boy who cried wolf scenario happened by twenty fucking sixteen but they really did it this time because like all of that hash rate got shipped offshore meaning all of that computing power is now distributed right and Bitcoin went up. <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, it look. went down for a second and then boop. Yeah, hash rate went down. And again, hash rate is just the amount of computing power pointed at the network. I think it's at an all-time high right now. Um, but if you're thinking that China's not really that dumb, which I don't think they are. They're not. It's a ploy to get rid of older mining hardware, right, that has slower processors, meaning like it can process less transactions. Um, basically like a pump and dump on the rest of, yeah. of the world so that they could then plug in the, the new mining technology, the more advanced ones, the newer miners. But we'd be able to see that because we'd be able to see who's settling transactions yeah, or where they emanate from, I should say. Yeah, 30% of hash rates still exist in China. So if if that's if that's a ban, I don't, I don't think it's going that well. Yeah, that that's suspicious. I didn't know that. It's that high. I saw a report on that. Okay. I'll pull that up if I can in a couple minutes. Yeah. But... Yeah, with them, I'm always looking behind the curtain. Like, eh, what are you really trying to do here? So you know, maybe it's a hardware dump. Like, get rid of the old shit. We'll we'll plug in the new new. We still got the free energy. We still have the manufacturing monopoly in terms of hardware. So, it's been it's been an interesting time in in Bitcoin since since we last talked. Right? Like, you have that was probably the biggest. That's probably the, one of the biggest things to ever happen in Bitcoin. Right, because if sixty percent of the computing power goes down, that could be f fatal. Right, like that could really, that could have been a death knell 
for the Bitcoin network. But the way that it was designed, shock absorbers, it took basically took the hit. And now it's back stronger than ever. And that's like if you get into it with some of like the hardcore Bitcoiners, they'll tell you that the best thing that, that Satoshi baked into Bitcoin is the difficulty adjustment. So that basically the difficulty adjustment. The difficulty adjustment. And that's that. what allowed it that's what allowed the Bitcoin network to absorb that type of shock with like sixty percent of the computing power going offline. So the difficulty adjustment as I understand it is it basically determines how complicated the math problem is. Because when you're like, when I say hash power, you're basically just pointing uh, computing power to solve like an equation to Mm. win Bitcoin. Yep. So, you know, it's it's very complex, right? It takes a worldwide computer network pointed at, at this equation to solve it, and then you win Bitcoin. So... It's, a, it's a, like a dynamic load, though, and that's mm. the coolest thing about it. So as hash rate goes up, the difficulty adjustment goes up. The math equation becomes harder and harder to solve in order to win the Bitcoin. But it can also adjust downward. So when all that hash rate came offline, if the difficulty stayed the same, you could have really big problems, right? Like the, the blocks wouldn't be hashed out and... 10-minute intervals, which is rough, roughly where they stand. How does it know to adjust? Um, I think it, it, it like, backdates, like, every... It's a certain number of blocks. Like, a, a certain number of blocks, oh. like, the it kind of assesses, like, how much computing power is pointed at the network, and it adjusts accordingly. So China comes in and bans Bitcoin mining, mm-hmm. and therefore the network then sees, oh, suddenly, whatever it was, 50%, 60, yeah, 60%. 50 Sixty percent goes offline, mm-hmm. and so now it knows, like, oh shit, these blocks suddenly are going to be are going to be lesser and also bigger because now we're going to have well, never fewer bigger, of them. never bigger, but it would take longer. So whereas like a block is normally yes, certain, yes, yes, um because yes. we had the whole block size debate, which Roger Ver can go get fucked. <laughs> um, yeah, you're you're Bitcoin Jesus now. <laughs> you officially took the term. I, I mean, gave if, that if to I you last t- time. I forgot to take it from him. Yeah. Nobody, nobody better to take it from. A, you know, he's. Still I blessed holds, you. He still holds Bitcoin, by the way. So he's holds alive. a lot of Bitcoin cash, though. Whatever the fuck that is. Still holds a lot of Bitcoin. Which I still sh- don't. Sh- I still don't know what that is. That's a waste of an episode. We shouldn't even get into that. Okay. But um, no, the blocks would take longer. So it would take 20, 30 minutes, right? If the difficulty stayed the same. But the network has like this built-in. It's almost like a, like a live organism. Like it knows to readjust. So it was able to adjust down and that's why you're able to see the network like flex and i think that's tying it back into kind of like what we've we've talked about thus far in terms of like organic decentralized systems versus like top-down systems something that's built on a on a firmer foundation like that right it was able to absorb a huge shock and just carry on whereas like you know I don't think I don't think like traditional markets could handle like a a sixty percent outage. So, to me, I don't care. You know, whatever the price spike this year, we're not at all time highs. That was the most important thing that that happened in Bitcoin this year to see that amount of computing power come off the network. The thing doesn't blink. The blocks are longer for like three days, and it's just business as usual. That because we're gonna we're coming up on tests with Bitcoin. Like all the, 
like all this stuff we're talking about in terms of like a paradigm shift, like where this goes, how this ends, like, you know, if I don't sound as, as bullish before, it's not because I don't believe in Bitcoin, but I do. And I'll fucking go down fighting for it, like, you know, with my last breath. You know what I mean? It's it's my family and Bitcoin. Like, I I won't give in. It's like we're, we're ride or die on this shit. Like, we're going to zero. We're here to, like, change the world for the better, but... Because you also view the existing system as already done anyway. It's done. we got to build something new. It has to be... You have to have a win. You can't have a loss-loss, you know? Dude, it's like the old... It's burn the ships, man. Yeah. You ever hear that story? It's like an old Greek story. The Which one? The burn the ship story? Yeah. I definitely have. Which one, though? There's a few ships. There's the one where it's like the guy was drowning and three people come to save him. And, and he's like, no, God's going to save me. And then he dies. No, not that one. It's, uh, it was like, dude, I don't, I don't remember the specific, uh, you know, islands that they were doing it on. But basically it was two armies squaring off. And the one general, like, lands all of his troops on the beach. And he fucking burns his own ships. And he's like, he's like, we're going to fight and win. Or like, <laughs> that's it. You know we're what I mean? Going down swinging. You know what I mean? Or we're going yeah. down swinging. That's, that's how I feel about Bitcoin. So, you know, I, I just think it's a, it's a tool for, for what's to come. And, like, I think the, the cards have been shown over the last couple of years, be it in, like, the, the financial markets. Like, these senators are fucking trading options and they want to see you send a $600 Venmo while they're losing trillions of dollars in Afghanistan and, and trading options. Like, you know, they, they just locked everyone at home and now they're telling you it's fine after two years. Like if you can't tell it's a joke and you can't tell that they fucking hate you at this point, like, so we all got to wake up. We all got to grab the tools that we need and we got to move forward. Like we got to burn that old ship behind us. And I think, that we can build something new and, and better. But, yeah, I don't have a lot of faith in, like, voting or the old system or democracy. I mean, I think it's been proven to be pretty much a farce. And this is this is back to the, to the main point here, that some people are going to be like, wait, what? But I get it. And you are, you are commingling all these things because money is at the middle of it, whether you like it or not. It is. I, I always say to people, I would say this in my career, I've said it on this podcast probably at least five or six times before, but if you ask the average person what the most important things in their life to them are besides their ability to live, mm-hmm. it is their health and their family. And the health is actually quite literally their ability to live, right? Yes. And I always would look back at them and say, your money pays for both. Yeah. It is It is sad. I, I don't like that idea, but it's true. It, it is what it is, and you have to understand that taboo is, is a fact. And so when you're talking about, like, democracy and the lack of the trust in the systems, and but Bitcoin fixes this, the idea is if you take the money out of the control of those people, those mm-hmm. groups, that even if a lot of them – aren't evil but they're sucked into the group thing and there's enough evil people that guess what that wins lowest common denominator always wins too bad it's gone so now bitcoin comes in and says all right now you have your money on your own hard drive your own wallet you can transact it with other people over networks that they don't control and they don't control this money period so great place right here 
to transition it to the tinfoil hat time <laughs> that I always think about because I still want to think about all the possibilities here, and, and we have to. Sure. But like, I'm very much on the same page with you in that I believe in Bitcoin. I'm also very much on the same page with you that the existing system is it's dying. Yeah. Like it's it's not really savable in a lot of ways now. We'll have to completely shift, and I would like to see Bitcoin be the thing that shifts it. That said, I still always look at well, what if what if there's some sinister shit at play? Because you do see all these people who have fucked people over and over again and somehow the same generations or mm-hmm. not even generations. I, I don't want to go straight to like bloodlines because that's not <laughs> always what it is. But like the same types of people remain cycling out generation on generation, taking advantage of others, the average person in the same sure. way. And so a couple things to start with here that I think are good spots to really think critically about this. First is when you look at the whole China thing we just discussed and that reverse psychology of, well, is China just trying to drive price down because either A, they're trying to crash it or B, trying to buy a lot for themselves. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Keep that under the same lens I could say about the US government. And the reason I think about this is because of the whole Elon Musk thing last mm-hmm. year. And so the Elon Musk moment, for people that aren't familiar, this was after we talked. This was like yeah, two yeah. months after you and I sat down or something like that. This is the end of April. Elon Musk, the, 2021, Elon Musk had started to publicly buy Bitcoin within the treasury of Tesla yep. in January 2021, which was huge bullish for it, yep. right? Still continued to meme about Doge, which frankly was funny. But the point was he was taking that – he was accepting Bitcoin as payment and he was buying it in his treasury. So two-prong attack there and it was like, whoa. And so now everyone's like, oh, Elon, God, within the Bitcoin community. He had it in his profile and he didn't go like – he was always – what I liked about him was he didn't – he was never like a maxi or anything. He was no. he was still very diligent about it. Like, hey, yeah, it's it's very interesting. I, I don't know all of it, but it's very, very interesting, and we have to pay attention to this, and there's a lot of use cases for this, and obviously he doesn't like the government very much. So, you know, he's odd. Like, he gets a lot of subsidies, but... And that's exactly the point here. This is what I want to get at. So in April, that's when it came down. We're out of nowhere. He didn't say they were selling it on the treasury, but he comes out on Twitter and writes up a weird, very formal statement, which is not mm-hmm. like him on no. Twitter. He's a ship poster. Where, exactly. Which I love. So this wasn't a ship post, and it was this kind of dignified but low on detail explanation as to why he was no longer for the moment going to be accepting Bitcoin as payment mm-hmm. because of its effect on the climate, which from an energy uses perspective without looking at any context you could hypothetically say but then when you look at context of what it's competing against and stuff like that which you and I did talk about last yeah. time that that argument is making less and less sense every day and so a guy who i consider and a lot of people consider to be at least one of the smartest people on planet earth who's a brilliant engineer has built all these great companies tweets out something that a regular person like me could look at and destroy with facts in about five minutes. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw that, I didn't get angry at all. I immediately went to, they made him do it. Yeah. 
And so he, here's here's why I was okay with that for one second as a little sidebar was because his whole thing is he wants to affect humanity in five different ways. He decided this in college and it was like the first thing was basically the internet. The second thing was sustainability. Third thing, interplanetary connectivity. Fourth thing, artificial intelligence. Fifth thing, call it like genes, right? Mm -hmm. And DNA and, and, and manufacturing humanity in a way that's conducive to the continued existence. So he's touched all of those mm -hmm. in some way or another with various companies that he has founded or been a part of. His whole life is built on sustaining us as a human race. Like he has made that his life's work. He doesn't do anything else. You can watch his jet tracker going around. I mean, yeah. there's a Twitter account of it. This guy is a fucking machine. And so unfortunately, the point you, you brought up a couple minutes ago is entirely true. In order for him to have any chance as a fucking car company on Tesla or any chance as a space company trying to partner with NASA, which is a mm -hmm. government organization, your entire business to affect humanity in two to three of those five ways is completely dependent, unfortunately, like it or not, on the idiots in the government. Yep. And so I saw that and I said – Someone tapped on his shoulder and said, Elon, if you ever want to have a contract again, whoop, you're going to crash that price. And I think Bitcoin Twitter, I was very disappointed, did not see through that. And they started trying to call him an idiot and all these things. And I'm like, you're not seeing what this is. He's not going to sacrifice his whole life work for Bitcoin right now. And you should be looking at this as a resilient moment to be like, who cares, right? He didn't stop taking it on the treasury, but... I looked at the price action that happened from that. Mm -hmm. It basically went from 61000 over the next month and a half down to as low for like a minute as like 29 or 30, 31, something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. For like a minute. It was like overnight too, wasn't it? It was quick. Like I never saw it at that price. I should have trailing orders anyway. But either way, <laughs> I saw this and I went, was that the government or entities, powers that be trying to crash the price so that they could buy all of it? Or was that them trying to destroy it? God, I'm so split on it, dude. Me too. So split on it. It's probably Blackstone, right? Aren't they the? Don't they have a huge amount of Tesla? I don't know. I feel like I feel like Blackstone is like the government lackey. Blackstone or BlackRock? That's important. Ooh, it's BlackRock. I think it's BlackRock. Yeah, you're looking at BlackRock. Yeah, yeah. Black. They're the ones buying up all the residential housing. Uh, I got to check. BlackRock is basically an enormous investment manager that has holdings in – you pick all the big industries, yeah. anything. I think it's BlackRock. Yeah. So yeah. I think it came via the government through BlackRock because I believe they hold Tesla. Um, I, don't, I don't think – these people are sinister, but they're not dumb. Yeah. They're you not. Know, that's you know, very good to say that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they're – some of them are evil, but they're not stupid by any means. They're no. very smart. So, you know, gun to my head, I think their bags aren't full. I think they didn't like the price action getting away from them. And I think it's I think it's because their bags aren't full. I don't I don't I think they're smart enough to know that you probably can't kill Bitcoin at this point in time. Short of a, a cyber pandemic, which is next. We'll go there. <laughs> Keep going. Where they lock down, shut down the entire internet. But I just don't think you can shut down the entire internet at this point in time. It's critical infrastructure across the world. Like, I just, 
like how would you how would you even do that you know what i mean so i think it's them you can't i i think their bags aren't full i think they're smart i think they're they're hedging and they want to have a a big position and you know again that's where kind of the game theory kicks in there's only 18 million so it's me and you and the plebes with like two or three bitcoin like <laughs> duking it out with yeah. governments of the world for like what that looks like and if you think people aren't going to play games and you know use leverage in traditional markets or any tools at their disposal to try and shake that loose from you you're mistaken like they're going to they're going to try and get bitcoin at every cost i think my main concern is probably like regulatory capture at this point in time. I don't think enough people control their keys. Like enough people don't store their Bitcoin themselves on their own wallet, which I don't know if we'd like dove into before. Not we didn't really. Can you explain that? Because like I know I don't do it the way that you would want me to do it. Like I use like MetaMask, so I'm not going. Oh no. Yeah, I don't. I don't go. I, I don't have the hard drive and all that set up. The hard drives are for the podcast right here. Well, you they don't have Bitcoin on it. Get another one for your Bitcoin. Okay. Um. So anybody that's listening to this and is interested in Bitcoin and wants to buy it, like self custodying your Bitcoin is the most important thing because number one means nobody can steal it. And number two, I think some of the exchanges are running a, like a fractional reserve scam on Bitcoin. So like Coinbase. Yeah. Meaning that if I hold Very one Bitcoin, they're taking 0.0001 out of there. Yeah. Or yeah. Whatever. Or they're yeah. selling, if you have one, they're selling 10 based off that one that they're holding for you. What do you mean they're selling 10? That that would be double counting. Times 10 counting. Meaning like they're they're selling more bitcoin than they actually have on their balance sheet. Maybe I used the wrong example. Yeah, no, now I understand, but like how can they even do that? Because if you don't hold your own keys, it's not going to be accountable to the network. Oh. So nobody can ever it would be like what would be like the traditional financial instrument where you're like be like not options. I'm trying to think of what would be like maybe derivatives or something like that where you're like selling more than you saying. you know what I mean? You're selling yeah. more than actually You're exists. selling a bet. Yeah, you're selling you a bet. You could say options too, but I like the derivative example better because that's like what for people out there, that's basically the the center of what was the housing crisis. They created these yes. derivatives of these packaged up bullshit mm -hmm. piece of shit mortgages and then sold also bets on the other end as insurance against right. those things. It was like this giant like loop where they took all this shit and made like a giant pile of shit. And, and then, then you called it, it in nothing. and you have 2008. Yes. So yes. yeah, I think there's basically, would it be fair to say they're selling more Bitcoin than they actually have? And if everybody were to withdraw their Bitcoin to their own wallet, that it would be like a bank run. I think it would be a problem. So. What would make that happen? Oh, we try every day on Bitcoin Twitter. We, yeah, you try. We try and organize a... Everyone, I know, I every, see it. Everyone withdraw your, your Bitcoin all the time. But so I think you're asking about like 
The best is when I told you I bought some Bitcoin on Robinhood one day. <laughs> I think I black. I think I blanked that out of my memory. I was like, "What the fuck are you doing, dude?" Talk I, did, I a- did that with you in mind. I'm like, oh, "I just want to do this so I can tell him I did it." Should have at least bought like an option or something, or done like a trade. But mm. no, so like storage of of Bitcoin on on the hard drives. I can't believe you're storing it on MetaMask. I don't know if we're gonna have to offline about that, but Jesus Christ. Um, I may have changed the name, but the same idea. Put it that way. Oh, man. So the cool thing about Bitcoin is I would think about it, if you're getting familiar with the concept, it's like a, it's like a street. It's like a block of houses. The actual Bitcoin never moves. You're just exchanging the keys to open that front door. Yeah. So if you leave your keys on the exchange, they can get in any door that they want, or they can certainly get into your door. But if you withdraw it, you hold those keys Nobody can ever touch it. So if you're getting into Bitcoin, you're buying Bitcoin. If you've been buying Bitcoin and it's on an exchange, like, please get that off. There's tons of resources. Ask anybody on Bitcoin Twitter. They'll snap to it and have that shit like deep in cold storage so that it can never move without, you know, multiple device signatures. And they'll help you out. Like people, people love to to help on that front. This is another question of mine around the space that i've always had and mm-hmm. i still have never had it adequately answered but look anytime something's coming into adoption and this is only 12 13 years in i mean we're so early with this in the context of time like there's always going to be stuff like all right how's this really going to work and mm-hmm. you're going to have questions so i'll continue to have those but you know like i remember reading about the Winklevoss twins when they first bought their huge positions yeah. and the measures they took to store their Bitcoin mm-hmm. on cold wallets and what they went through to do that. And I was like, holy shit. That was in the book Bitcoin Billionaires by Ben Mesrick, which I would highly recommend people read. Great book. But they, long story short, they took a weekend and they t- flew on separate planes to seven different like nondescript towns across middle America to all these different banks and put pieces of a, I think it was like 50 to 60 character yeah. code. Or in seed phrase. Yeah. Written, yeah, like, yeah. like on little letters, like in different security deposit boxes that were in a certain pattern so it could never get fucked with. And when you hear stuff like this and you're like, this is going to be the future of money, I always look at it like the average person has a life and they have like there is some value in a quote-unquote backstop for across average humanity right Mm -hmm. so once you move to this bitcoin system there's no fdic there's no and and again there's a lot of negatives that comes with this stuff that's why we invented this whole thing Mm -hmm. i want to add that but i'm saying like some of the basics of you can get insurance on stuff you can have a backup code to get into something there is some sort of record that you own this thing in this place as far as like monetary value goes that's all out the window and you see it early on in the stories of guys who have lost their Bitcoin, you know, accidentally threw out their hard drive or... That guy's still looking in England. D- dude, I know. He's like tearing across like all this. <laughs> so sad. So sad. Him. He's going through like all these different dumpsters because he's got like $300 million or some shit on there. But worth a Bitcoin. But, you know, they're, they're also... There's the people who forget their password, which mm-hmm. is the saddest one to me. Yeah. And like then it's it has a it has like a lot of these things have like a ten try lockout meaning yeah, like once terrorist. you try it ten times you can no one ever gets in. Thanks for your donation to the network. That's the point. Like donation to the network, but now it's gone. 
right? It's off and it also deflates everything out there, which I think could be okay. But I look at this and I go, how many people are going to lose their fucking money? Like they just misplace it. It's not like cash. Like people lose cash all the time. But like yeah. you lose you lose your whole bank account by accident and there's no bank of Bitcoin. Yeah. No, it's it's a fair critique. I wonder what types of products will pop up. I think that Bitcoin at the end of the day ultimately drives ingenuity, right? It's a pure system in that it requires people to innovate in a positive fashion to make the experience better at every step of the way. Because it's an unchanging base, it allows people to kind of, you know, figure out which products and services are, are necessary. Like Unchained Capital now offers like a really smooth multi-sig where you store their Bitcoin with them and you can get like a cash loan against it. Casa Hold does the same thing. Like, so these, I think something, it's probably a weak answer. Like there will be some type of insurance and there might be Bitcoin banks that like have to always validate, you know, via the blockchain, via the Bitcoin network, like what the holdings are. And maybe they'll like lend you Bitcoin on top of that. So like your stack um, isn't at risk, but. Well, let's ask a question about that example, actually. So the, what was the name of that place you just said? Uh, Unchained Capital. Okay. So Unchained Capital. Mm-hmm. Let's say in a perfect world, everyone's using Unchained Capital yeah. or what or an equivalent. Yeah. Those companies get hacked while they're holding your Bitcoin. Your Bitcoin's gone. Yeah. Whereas if a bank gets hacked these days, they got their buddies at the Federal Reserve. They're gonna be everything's gonna be all right. Like you're you're gonna get it back, yeah. unless they all got hacked at the same time, which is another question. But it's a trade off. I think you're nailing me down here, and I think you're right. Like it's it's a trade off. You can you can lose it all in Bitcoin right now if you don't have good like data hygiene. And storage hygiene, I guess I would counter that one of the the biggest things that seems to be lacking in the current world is personal responsibility. So if Bitcoin's the thing that gets you to like get your shit together and pay attention and you know take the proper steps to to take care of something that's of value, you know, that can have a positive effect throughout your life. Like if you take care of your Bitcoin, you might start paying attention to to other things you can do better at. But that's a little bit of cop out. It's a, it's a risk. It's a trade off. Like there's no. It's it's fair to have this conversation. I mean, I'm on your side. I I I'm I own this. I've owned it for a yeah. long time. I love it. I, I think it's great, and I agree with how you put it. It's a trade off. I would like to see some sort of out of that ingenuity you speak of, some sort of solution for the every person. Because I think when I think about any of this, Bitcoin, whatever it is, I think mm-hmm. about like the future of humanity and how it, how we interact with one with one another and i include in that how we trade with one another mm-hmm. in value i have to think about every individual type of story i have to think about the single mother working three jobs yeah i have to think about the people who have been lost for generations upon generations i have to think about the the places where technology has never been a big thing it's not a part of the mm-hmm. culture and so all of these different people Maybe very smart and actually very responsible people, but they're not getting them to adopt this and take that jump is hard, especially when you're telling that you're not only telling them to get comfortable with an entirely new world and paradigm, which everyone has to do to some extent yeah. throughout human history, let's be honest. But like 
you're telling them to take such an extreme jump and also say, by the way, you're responsible for it. Like if I went – not that this is the greatest example because frankly the older generations are the closest ones to not being here. But like if I went to my grandma and said like, hey, that whole bank account, bullshit. It's it's done. We're giving you Bitcoin. My grandma's losing her Bitcoin in a month. It's gone. Unfortunately. Yeah, and then I assure you, she's a very healthy woman, but she's dead the next day. Like she, her blood pressure will go through the goddamn roof. You know, no one wants no one wants to kill grandma because of Bitcoin. No, no, we don't. I I certainly don't. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you brought up an interesting point. Um, you know, it, it, it's probably not going to happen here first, and I think if you look at the usage numbers, you're starting to see Bitcoin in places like Africa explode, right? So like necessity is kind of the the mother of all inventions, right? Like if you keep you keep people under their thumb or under the thumb, so to speak, you know, it's that it's that like pain and suffering that causes you to change and maybe adopt a new solution. Like you're ahead of the curve in the US. You know, folks in Venezuela aren't adopting Bitcoin to speculate on price. It's because socialism has destroyed what is one of the, I believe, top 10 or five energy-rich countries in the entire world. Like, I remember when Venezuela was flying high on oil. They managed to ruin that in 10 to 15 years with socialism. So I think, you know, it's going to come from probably third world adoption first. Um, And you're starting to see those numbers. So it might not be my grandma or yours, but you know, people that are backed into a corner, monetarily speaking, tend to find Bitcoin and they use it and and they learn those good habits because they have to. They have to to survive. It's like a survival mechanism. Hungry dogs in a corner will learn how to eat 100%. I think so. I think we can take this to some nation state existentialism then. This, this This is right on point here because... Like we mentioned, El Salvador mm-hmm. was the first nation to really start buying this in their treasury, they accepting it as payment. Even, and we didn't mention this, but there was also like the he started, he started with this was like kind of some dictatorship, but it was a little bit. Funny. He's a little dictator. I'm not. A, yeah, like he started. What was it like subsidizing some of the some of the national energy companies to like mine it or some oh, shit yeah, like they're, that? They're gonna do volcano mines. <laughs> Dude, that's some like Doctor Evil level shit. It's so tight. Yeah. So anyway, um, we'll talk about that later. But these other places, Venezuela is a phenomenal example because of what happened. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to see a case study on what inflation does to a society, God, they're one of the best you could ever look at. They're, I mean, I mean, I feel I feel for the people there, but oh. I mean, it's not Antarctica with like no resources. They got a shit ton of oil. Like, dude. They were flying high 15 years ago, 16 years ago. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago. No, no. And it was quick. It was like, it was, I don't want to say overnight, but whatever the next thing after overnight is, is what it was. Yeah. So you have, I think, you know, you have these inflationary nations, which I would include us among them at this point in time. We're we're not quite at an Argentinian or Venezuelan level. So that's one feeder this is why Bitcoin's so great. It's like so malleable and it's like, it just turns human nature, which is like greed and survival into itself in the best possible way. Like it allows us to all transact and survive on like an even playing field. Mm. 
You know what I mean? Versus like, you're going to go up against the, the regime of Venezuela. You're going to go up against the Federal Reserve. It's tough. If you go straight at them. But if you go around them with Bitcoin. Okay. I just thought of something. I should have thought of this a couple minutes ago. This is just bringing me in line now. So this is a better argument. If it creates that even nature, it also creates it for the upstart nations, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. So Africa, South American countries, whatever. Yeah. Let's look at... Just think of everywhere the CIA's medals. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at this. We'll, we'll get there. Let's look at this from two different angles then. Very, very different angles, but actually the same thing, which is kind of weird to say. First is the nations. Let's say there's a scenario where South Africa, or not South Africa, Africa and South America, like a lot of countries from those two places, which happen to be stricken with a lot of different countries that have poor monetary systems that are in place like the poorest and Mm -hmm. therefore have a lot of poverty problems. Let's say that they lead the way and start buying all this Bitcoin and then create an ecosystem within themselves where they're the ones holding the Bitcoin. Are all the other countries around the world in first world areas going to give a fuck if all the volume goes to the places that they only have themselves to trade with anyway. So like, all right, figure it out with your own resources. Now you don't get to tap ours. Mm -hmm. That's one scenario. The second scenario, and this is the easier one to think about, and I do think about this a lot, is the volume of ownership across (sighs) – I don't want to say individuals. I want to include institutions, but a top-heavy system. So Mm -hmm. like – you look at the Soviet Union when the Soviet Union crashed or ended, whatever it was. The reason Russia, the new Russia experiment failed is because they created oligarchs. Mm-hmm. And you hinted at this earlier, talking to, or you said it directly earlier, talking about how we're getting more. We added 500 billionaires last year. Yeah. We left behind the whole middle class. We're shrinking that, making everyone a pleb, whatever. I would say we kind of have an oligarchy here. It's certainly not capitalism. I, I don't know what the definition is, but what we have in the United States today is not capitalism. So we're already doing that. I agree with you a thousand percent. How is Bitcoin totally different and i'm not even hating on these people either because i i think a lot of them some of them that we don't know about i'm sure aren't thinking like this but like the guys like michael saylor Mm -hmm. the guy from micro strategies who's been a leader in all this the guys like the winklevoss twins who have been like day oneers with this whole thing they are looking at this as like they take it to the people every day publicly they are Mm -hmm. like come on let's do it they still own a significant percentage yeah. There are other sinister people around the world who we don't know about who probably own yeah. a significant percentage. There are governments, corporations who we probably don't know about who own a significant percentage. So if you have – I'll just throw out random numbers here. The top 50% of the entire Bitcoin supply controlled by say 75 to 100 people slash entities, mm-hmm. how is that not creating an oligarch system even worse than the one we have? Well, think about the people that are buying Bitcoin and why. Like we're we're not going to be able to abstract human nature and the things that we all want as individuals. Yeah. Um. So no, it might like they they have a monopoly in terms of spending power. The difference is they don't have a monopoly in terms of changing the rules. And yes. in the current system, 
they can change the rules and they continue to change the rules to fuck everyone. So will they have a monopoly on spending power? Sure. But at the end of the day, in that situation, Bitcoin's just money and they're going to have to spend it on something. And because they are more benevolent and they can't change the rules, they're going to have to reason from first principles to spend it in the best possible fashion that continues to benefit them. So they're incentivized to do the right thing. In short, you would think. I would say so. No, I actually, now that I think about that, how you said that, I think something that would give me solace on that is that the, let's say, evil person X owns 2% of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And then let's go crazy. Let's say that top 50% I talked about is 75 people. They're all the most evil people on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. If they just hold all of it, They have it like a piece of art in their yeah. back room. There's there's nothing with it. And so the whatever is left, the forty nine percent or fifty percent that's left, that has even greater value now around the world and people are trading it and transacting to be able to move the economy. And so it really doesn't affect anything. If they then don't hold it, they're putting it out into the economy. And so the so, people that will and then people will buy it. Yes. So that's interesting. I can't recall if we touched on this, but it's time preference. And what do you mean by that? So we live in a, I think when you're talking about like evil people, I would equate it. There's low time preference and high time preference. We live in a very high time preference society. Dopamine hits on Instagram, Twitter, Netflix delivered the next day, food to your door. That's a high time preference decision, right? It costs you probably more money than you need to spend today versus cooking at home. Right. Right. Whereas Bitcoiners tend to be low time preference. They want to hold Bitcoin over a longer duration to watch it accrue value so that they can spend it at the right time to make an outsized impact versus the quick hit. Dude, you got to spend cash because it's lost 20% of its value in the last year, right? So it's yes. like, spend it now, spend it now. Yes. Get rid of it. Like do this, do that. Whereas Bitcoiners are like, no, I'm going to buy this Bitcoin, give a fuck what you do with it over the next five to ten years like check in with me in in a decade after the next two halvings then i'll think about spending my bitcoin whether that's on like regenerative <laughs> regenerative <laughs> such a hard word farming regenerative makes it harder. regenerative farming things like that like bitcoiners are starting to look at like really long-term what the goal. fuck is regenerative farming just natural farming not like is that like organic shit? Uh, no, it's like cattle farming. The whole the the whole Bitcoin like beef thing. Are you in tune with that? That's a, I'm not in tune with this. So that's that's like a big thematic trend. And I would say once again, Bitcoiners are right. The food pyramid is a scam. <laughs> Can, canola oil isn't everything. It's meant to be engine lubricant. Uh, oh man! So Bitcoiners are starting to invest in like organic cattle farming. Okay. Where like they're not they're not slaughterhouses they're not packing cattle they kill them in the field no they're like free sunlight range. Free, yeah free range you know more more natural so it's like it's nicer so that's that's like a low time preference investment right um so we're we're coming at it from from all all angles clearly and and it's always been that way that's what makes me so curious about the whole community and like some of the stuff drives me nuts like when when they get you know like when some of the hardcore maxis get 
so culty they're out of their fucking mind and they're everything that they wanted to stop the establishment from being now from a different end yeah. I, don't, I don't like that but where it's like when i it, tuned out of that a bit too. yeah you definitely have no doubt about that but i also don't think like i never got that from you when i had conversations with you you just you're you're an even stronger believer in it than i am and i was a huge believer but like you look at it from the lens of hope which yeah. also not for nothing is very interesting to hear that as a theme tonight and i know it's a little off topic but i, I think it's important to say like you and i were talking a few days ago and i was i don't remember what i was saying but i was talking about like some of the negativity that's just like getting exhausting mm -hmm. in society. Of course, you know, there's the whole political thing, but it just feels like the vibe and like the never ending pandemic and all this shit, like ba 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 ba. And your take on it was, as you alluded to earlier with that whole paradigm shift, you were like, I think we're coming up on this amazing time. And like, we're, we have the darkest days are now behind us. And I'm like, I could use some more thought like that. You yeah. know, and it seems like there are a lot of people who also happen to be Bitcoin pioneers and people looking at these different solutions on the layers of the Bitcoin network mm -hmm. who are thinking that way. Yeah. So like we were talking about, I think, you know, building parallel systems as as a safety valve. And I think, you know, opt-in systems have existed previously. And I think one of the best that comes to my mind, I'm biased, is... uh the Grateful Dead and just the the ecosystem and kind of the machine that's been built around what I think, inarguably, but we can try, <laughs> is uh, the the greatest American band, really the greatest band of, of all time. Okay, I might argue with you on that point, but I, and I do like the Grateful Dead. But this is actually something we have not talked about on the podcast before. No. You and I talked about this offline, and this is a really... I love this. This is a very, very symbolic point. And it's, in my opinion, it's about a lot more than just Bitcoin. It's, it's like a, it's a societal paradigm symbol, which I think is why you brought it up. But can you explain this, extrapolate upon it? Yeah, I think it just shows, you know, Bitcoin or not, right? Bitcoin wasn't there in the summer of 65. But, you know, people were able to coordinate and, and work together and, and create this kind of beautiful culture that that still endures and like evolves today and jerry garcia hasn't been alive for like 30 35 years 30 -ish. yeah it's been a long time you know it's it's been a long time but I, but i see just so many parallels in terms of the formation of the grateful dead the the evolution of the grateful dead the current state of like grateful dead culture um with you know maybe how bitcoin's evolved thus far and maybe what like a future model looks like for bitcoin kind of continuing well to the average person who is not a classic rock fan mm -hmm. and doesn't understand what grateful dead is was and exactly what you're referring to can you explain the i don't even want to use the word cult but like the incredible communal following that they built and like how they became this all-time band basically via that and fans following them everywhere and, and making, as you just pointed out, like yeah. the decision to do it? Maybe I'll make like one point and then I think we should go back to the beginning and walk through it because I think the okay. parallels will, will kind of resonate and, and will make a lot of sense. Um, to celebrate like their 50th anniversary, 
you know, 20 years after Jerry Garcia passed, they were able to sell out Santa Clara Stadium three times and Soldier Field in Chicago two times. So that's like five, 600,000 people that paid. I mean, I paid like three or four <laughs> times. So like you can count me, count me triple or quadruple. But, you know, like to, to have, you know, a band who's like front man and, you know, an enigmatic person and one of the best guitarists of all time not be there and still, you know, sell out huge stadiums 50 or 60 years after they started, um, I think is just a testament to kind of like the system and the, and the culture that they built. And it, it's mm-hmm. always been an opt-in culture. It's always, it's a proof of work system, which I think we should, should talk about. It's a, it's a read, write culture. What um, do you mean by that for them? Uh, which part? Like Grateful Dead, their proof of work. How are they proof of work? We're going to get into that. Okay. We're going to go over that. But um, they essentially allowed taping of their shows. And that made them extremely unique? In the sense that they gave it away for free. Oh. And so it creates, in a way, a timestamp that's not dissimilar to the Bitcoin blockchain. Oh. So you can basically follow the Grateful Dead every year from 1965-ish, 66, I believe, was like the first recorded show. And you could listen to every show. Every day, you can pull it up. There's an app, show of the day, 66, 67. Every show has been recorded. So It's a transparent time capsule. In a sense. So we'll, we'll okay. circle back to that. But Keep I think going. that has a yeah. lot to do with like why... You've got, like, I don't like it when I go to the shows. There's, like, fucking frat bros wearing, like, tie-dyed <laughs> online ceramic shirts. You don't like frat bros? <sighs> you seem like such a frat bro. In many ways I am, but in many ways I'm not. Um, I'm kidding. Um, but, no, it's it's created, like, a, a lasting legacy that, that people can, can keep buying into. And, again, I think, like, the genesis of, of Bitcoin, there's some parallels to, like, the genesis of the Grateful Dead. So it's, like, 60s... San Francisco Bay area. Um, you have Jerry Garcia, who's kind of like a bluegrass aficionado, great guitarist. He was actually playing, what is it? He wasn't playing guitar. He was maybe playing like mandolin or no, he's playing banjo. So he's playing like a lot yeah. of banjo. So he's playing banjo. Um, Bill Kreutzman, like the original drummer, was like a high school drummer. So he's got like the the drum beat, right? Like more of that like class Americana, Americana like drum beat. Um, you have Bobby Weir, who's like a high school dropout who was selling weed to Jerry Garcia and Phil Lesh. Um, and then you have Phil Lesh, who's like, he was a, he went to school. He was like a classically trained musician. I I believe a trumpet player, but mainly as like a composer. And he just kind of like started hanging out with Jerry and they were like, we need a bassist. And he was good enough at music to just kind of like pick up the bass and then becomes like this excellent bassist. So, what you have kind of at the beginning there is like all these different parts of like Americana, right? Like music at the time, you have like the classical drummer, you have the bluegrass banjo, you have like the kind of the classical composure and they come together during these like acid tests, right? Where Ken Kesey is basically throwing these parties, putting a fuck ton of like Owsley acid into like a vat. Everyone drinks it. Lights are going off. It's just like this primal party. And like, that's how the Grateful Dead comes together. Like they just start playing like super high on acid, but they 
begin to like form this musical bond that's on like a subconscious level. Mm. I think that's like when you hear it and if you really get into the Grateful Dead and if the sound resonates with you, it's like there's so much going on. There's so much going on. And like some people are like, dude, they're like licorice. You either love licorice or you, yes. hate, you hate licorice. Yes. But if you love licorice and you start to hear like the like what's going on, it's like it'll it'll blow your mind every time and it's similar to the way people think bitcoin popped out with satoshi's white paper it's not the case way die had done a lot of work around b gold adam blank had done a, a lot of work around like cash cash there so were iterations there yeah. were iterations yes. right so it's like he didn't I feel like everyone feels like there's this like epiphany moment but he was really building upon the work of others and in the same way like the grateful dead was building upon like american musical institutions and then brought it together in this really rad thing so they start to take off it's like an amalgamation right it's like mm-hmm. a it's a recipe that's the sum of, of greater than its parts and i think the grateful dead and, and bitcoin are the same that way like they brought a lot of disparate things together that became this really cool trailblazing thing so they start to take off they they play like pretty small shows like they would show up at like a gym amphitheater play it and this goes back to the taping so yeah we got it rolling behind you yeah there you go hell yeah <laughs> 77 in Passaic. yeah i mean well so 77 is a peak year um 69 77 71 those are some of the best years and you can hear that because they allowed taping so as the band started to grow people would bring in these like really elaborate like live taping sets and they had to fundamentally make a decision. They were like, well, do we want to shut them down? Like do we want to... And Jerry was basically like, I don't want to be a fucking narc, man. Like, <laughs> like let them tape it. Like who fucking cares? And so they built kind of like that really like the concert model, right? Like they, they are, they've did like three studio albums or four or five studio albums. There's not that many. And they built the whole thing on touring and everything is recorded. And there's not a lot of bands that have like a recording of every show that they played. So when I say that they're like a proof of work band, like they would tour really hard and there's a digital at this point in time, but used to be on like actual tapes. There's a digital representation of their work. And that created like in its own way, little bit of a currency like people traded tapes like oh you're at like the 69 like dog saloon Mm. show like i'll trade you the 77 like ithaca new york you know what i mean so that's one thing so like that giving that's all on youtube giving the product away for free like they're the original product-led growth brand which you see in tech now and then number two just kind of all like the regalia and and like the symbolism around it like in the way that like nobody owns kind of like the bitcoin symbol or like the messaging or like the memes around it there's no there's nobody scrubbing it from the internet like a like a bitcoin meme like you can write whatever the fuck you want about it like there's no corporate controller being like oh take that down Mm. so there's like a read write culture around bitcoin where you can post whatever the hell you want grateful dead was the same way whether it's like the steal your face which is like the the skull the dancing bears like all the different like grateful dead symbols that you see instead of the band kind of like going after people and being like, that's ours. Like that's our copyright. They're like, fuck it, man. Like let them like, let them do it. Like power of the people and the communal ownership driving 
frankly, also their own pockets too. Yeah. And making everyone feel like they're spreading the wealth and being a part of it along the way. Yeah. Which is what you are saying Bitcoin seeks to do by giving ease of access through a perfectly non-corrupt system that has no ruler behind it to therefore allow everyone to benefit and the person who happened to create it, quote unquote, is unknown. So you don't see their benefit or who they are. Yeah, there's no, or it's just a neutral system, right? Like anyone, yeah. anyone can participate in it. Um, and you can do whatever you want on top of Bitcoin, just like you can do whatever you want at a Grateful Dead show within within reason, right? And it's like, in terms of the communities, like they're so similar. Like the true deadheads are like essentially Bitcoiners. They're like the nicest people. <laughs> If you're there to like have fun at the dead show, if you step out of line, they're like cantankerous as fuck. I think Bitcoiners are like the exact same way. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Um I was gonna argue with you for a second. No, I no, I agree. But you know, they're they're just so similar in that way. And like they're it's a bunch of folks kind of like living on the outer rail of society. I think like Bitcoin and, and the Grateful Dead are the are the same in the sense that like it's one of the last places you can go for like adventure, like you might see some weird shit, <laughs> might get weird, <laughs> but like that's you what all, li- you have that, like, all the seventy-five-year-old deadheads still there now. That's yeah. Well, now they'll ask you to like not smoke a cigarette. You just got to say no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that that that's a true story. We were just like, dude, we're at a dead show. Like, <laughs> like, like pr- probably probably not. I don't even really smoke that much, but at a dead show, I might. Um, but no, like they're both like me and my friend were like. <laughs> We're like, dude. Of course, it was an SF. Like it had, it had to be. We're just eh, probably not, man. Sorry, you might want to move. Um, but no, it's like people kind of like pushing the limits of of what's possible. It's like a little bit outside of like the the normal realm. Um, and you have like a lot of trade there. Like every Grateful Dead show has like a shakedown street, which is a bunch of like hippies and mm-hmm. potheads and kind of making their own wares and selling all types of things mm-hmm. uh legal and and not and look it's not a perfect society like there's you know there's a history of like tragedy and like and drug use in the band and you know bad things have have kind of happened but which is also by the way not to cut you off but important to say a great extrapolation to the example because even in bitcoin you can look at this and and you know, we we always want to play devil's advocate on certain systems with it, but like, you can look at it and be like, "This is an, an amazing system." What it won't change is that there are good and bad people in the world. Yeah. And so, if it becomes fully a hundred percent adopted, like you're still going to have some bad people using it. It's just how life works. It's, it's the currency of enemies. It's going to have sin, right? Yeah. You know, like there's no. We can't cure everyone. You know what I mean? Like that's all with within ourselves. Like you got to got to look inward to do that and a lot of people don't want to do that like that's that that can't be helped you know what i mean it's on it's right. on an individual basis but um no it's it's i think it's like kind of a little bit of an, an outlaw community on both and you know i like the the proof of work and the fact that they were able to make that decision to that is really what i think allowed their legacy to grow is that they let people tape their shows and people are still on Reddit right now. If you go on Reddit right now, there's some guy writing a comment about like which 77 show is the best. And uh, that's because they gave the people the material to work with. They gave, gave them the ownership. Platform. Yeah, ownership and the platform. And that's I see powerful. a lot of the same things in 
in Bitcoin. Like people are still on Reddit right now debating a show that happened 45 yeah. years ago. It's powerful. But it is, it is. Like when you give that license to like feel and like be a part of it, you know, it's 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 significant. And that's, you know, that's why they still sell out every show, even with Mayer and, you know, who I, I like, he's done a good job. Um, <laughs> I was skeptical, but he's, he's done a pretty good job. Um, you know, they're still selling out every show with like three of the original six, like 60 years later. And they're old. You know, it's like it's going to come to a halt. Soon, yeah, it, it will at some point, but they're still cooking. I mean, Jesus Christ, it's been they've been playing for fifty years. Yeah, Bob Weir said he's he's probably played more guitar on stage than any living human being, and that's that's probably correct. Yeah, probably because he he'll tour like outside of the dead as well. Like he does Bobby and the Wolf Brothers. He does like some offshoots. Like the guy just can't stop touring. He's probably. I mean, I don't know how many hours. It's got to be insane. It's, yeah, like the Malcolm Gladwells of the world would be looking at that with their calculator he's fucking an, having a seizure. He's an outlier. Yeah, completely. Bobby is an, is an outlier, but he's uh, he's a national treasure who should be protected at, at all costs. I think this is such a meta point, too, like outside of Bitcoin and Grateful mm-hmm. Dead to look at wider culture and also – why the fuck something like Bitcoin happened or why back in the day Grateful Dead doing this became mm-hmm. such a thing because mind you, I mean, we're sitting here watching this on like 280p, right? Yeah. Like they were doing this back at the beginning of video when it, it, yeah. that, there was no internet. You didn't have YouTube, you know, some people just had tapes like on the side, yeah. you know, and yet it had such value behind it because I think in society, it's fair to say throughout human history one of the most important things for an individual to feel is to be seen. Yeah. And it's not, I'm not just talking about like, Oh, I want to be famous though. That tends to be something that a lot of people like want and, and push for cloud, I guess, like on social media these days. But the average person wants to be able to say something and know that whoever they say it to is actually listening to what they say. And even if they don't agree, you know, they hear them and they say, you know, I understand where you're coming from or something like that. And when I, I want to figure out how to say this so I do it justice. But when we're looking at the top ends of culture across anything and people we look up, up to or mm-hmm. music groups that we look up to or whatever it is, the specialness that people feel when they're a part of the community. Yeah, yeah. That's it, dude. Is yeah, that's the word. It's being a part of something. Yes. It's big it becomes bigger than them, but they feel like on an individual level it is them. It's a defining part of them and they they own that. Like that is their that is a monetary value. And like also I'd say it's priceless actually. Sure, sure. Take it another. Sure, absolutely. I'm, I was saying monetary value is the wrong way to put it. Priceless is a better way of putting it. It's something that like makes them feel like their personal yeah. figurative bank account is full, right? Spiritual okay. bank. Their spiritual <laughs> bank. I like that. You're helping me out. But like, even look at you know some of the quote unquote Web three stuff and and NFTs and things like that, where inevitably. You know, we're going to find out there's a fuck ton of bullshit, mm-hmm. like like any other move to a market, you know, and, and I like 
not to take it off topic, but I'm, I want to use this as, as a meta theme here. Like I like the concept of what NFTs are unlocking as a quote unquote key into this next metaverse or whatever the fuck they want to call it is. But I also recognize like, yes, there are a fuck ton of grifters in there doing their thing. And the reason they're able to do it and further, and also the reason good projects with real value mm-hmm. are able to become so big and, and generate such love is because they work around that central word of community. And they yeah. make like, th- this is a, this is a integration that's been built on discord and twitter where people come together and they talk on these subject matters and stuff such that there is the negative that like even Mm -hmm. shit can come through because people don't realize like oh this is really nothing right here but like for focusing on the good stuff for a second the grateful deads if you will of things like nfts people who have been separated from society when this all rose up during the pandemic who are away they they especially 17 18 year olds who Mm -hmm. had their whole lives ripped from them maybe they have fewer friends depends where they live maybe their home situation is not great they feel like hey all that sucks but like i got this yeah and i know i know scoble bush 74 on on discord yeah but like (laughs) Like, here it is you're not wrong dude like people would follow around the grateful dead Mm -hmm. like my dad would follow them from dc up up to New York and other people follow them across the entire country for probably the same reasons that you just mentioned, right? Like, did your dad pass it on to you too? Is that how it went? Yeah. Now he's like sick of me playing it, but <laughs> jo- jokes on him. <laughs> um, but no, like, th- I think you're right, man. Like, you have to find that community value, and like, that's we all just want to belong in some some sense. Like, we all just want to be heard and and like be seen and you know that's i think why i get sick of like the stratification lately like everything is a tactic to divide and like i find some solace in like bitcoin and the grateful dead both if you like the if you like bitcoin and you like the grateful dead like you're fucking cool in those communities (laughs) like they don't care what else you look like what you're doing yes where you're from how you identify your past, your present, your future. It's just like, hey, man, you like the Grateful Dead? Sick. You like Bitcoin? Tight. Like, it's it's a unexclusive club that's like exclusive. Like, you're in. It, it bridges not just identities, but ideologies too. Yeah. Now, can there certainly be some similar patterns of thought on different views and worldviews? Absolutely. But hear me out on this we are seeing and it's not just in bitcoin it's Mm -mm. it's in uh, several different things this is interesting we are seeing a weird team up culture happening where after let's say the last in particularly five to ten years of people being team a or team b in politics and therefore having all of these thoughts and all of those thoughts and that's just what it is and we go at each other like this and everyone that's how society exists after all that we're living in a world where you have black lives matter protesters and trump supporters hand in hand at protests together sharing pizza having a good time and bonding over a few things 
goes to show you they're not all that different like they thought they were. No. Over now, like maybe a vaccine mandate. You have within Bitcoin people coming from all different identities. Like this used to be a problem at the beginning. It was a mm -hmm. concern, and I'm so much less concerned about it with Bitcoin. Some others I still have this concern, like Ethereum and stuff. But like with Bitcoin, like it, it, there was an issue towards the beginning of like, oh, is this all just kind of like uh, middle class, 30 year old white males looking at it? Yeah. And, and now it's like, whoa, you have different identity based movements who are all over this. You see all different races and backgrounds and communities and people who are seeing the same things. And when they do this and they come in, what started as the regular average Joe middle class white dude is now like, oh, fuck yeah, bro, you're in. Like, what's up? Like, yeah. this, this is all we care. I don't give a fuck who you voted for. I don't care what you think. Like, we see this. Cool. Yeah. Let's go. You're into Bitcoin. Yeah. It's a great, it's the great unifier. I think it, I think it can be. Because the people that understand it are like high principled people and they reason from first principles, right? Like they have a foundational set of viewpoints that everything reasons from which is the thing that like the mainstream and i think the average person that's like tuned into the nightly news is missing they don't have first principles that they're reasoning from all 10 of them <laughs> there's I a understand lot what you're there's saying. a lot yes, there's yes. a lot of people that are still are. tuned into the mainstream narrative but i think what you'll find with like bitcoiners and people that you know like the grateful dead if, if we're still on that parallel it's like have fun and, and do no harm, right? Like, mm. that would be a, a main one. Like, basically being left alone, which is apparently, I'm an extremist now. Like, <laughs> I just want to be left alone. Like, I don't <laughs> I don't want to be, like, shitposting on Instagram all the time. That's probably not the best thing for me. But, like, they're coming for everyone. So, and I also love that we've, like, beat the mainstream media shitposting memes. It's been it a, is. A, it's, it's been a huge part of it. It is amazing. And like this that's like signal through the noise that's spreading and it's like we're kind of winning. Like the the people are kind of winning against like the we're starting to defeat the narratives just shit posting funny stuff. Cuz these people are so out of whack and they're so out of touch with reality that like <laughs> it's kind of like I don't want to be doing it but it's it's kind of funny like if you have to. It's like three years ago doing that, you're almost, you're in a weird spot of people being like, oh, wow, okay. And now it's like, fucking everyone's doing it. Yeah. I mean, your 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 Instagram stories are hilarious, especially for like, and I have, I have certainly a few libertarian thoughts in my system. So like when you hit one of those on the head, I just start laughing. Like, like if it's talking about like insider trading with senators and shit like that, like I'm fucking in and it's great stuff, but it used to be like, I would have to go to your stories to get to like exactly what I wanted with that kind of thing. I know, I'm a dime a dozen now. And now... It, hey, look, your stories are still great, man, but there's a lot of people. Like, I'll see some stuff. I'm like, I already saw that one. Someone was there already. Damn, dude. You know what? Then my job is done. done. Yeah. It's working. Yeah. It's working. Um, the insider trading thing fucks me off. I don't know if that's where you really want to go right now. Yeah, fuck it. Let's. I, I wasn't planning to, but I love that. Where yeah. should we go? Pelosi. <laughs> Start there. 
What? Who's who was the other guy? The other dude who did um I want to say it was from Texas. This one was so bad. He was at the top of the chart. He beat Pelosi, which is, <laughs> yes, which is a, I think that's it. I'll pull it a, up. Which but, is a feat of nature. But explain to people because I know the Nancy way. Explain to people what 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 old Nancy's been doing. So Nancy has been using insider information from congressional hearings to trade stocks as a sitting U.S. senator. Now you might say, I too trade stocks. I have mutual funds. That's great for you. You don't have the insider information that Nancy has. You're also not trading options, which are exotic instruments based off of short-term price bets, which means she's very, very, very confident that she's going to hit her strike price and, like, 5x her money. Now, hold on a minute. What? Her husband is very, very confident. Oh, yeah, it's her husband. And as we know, the Pelosi household has a phenomenal Chinese wall. That's a term within Some the financial industry. Some great chocolate, industry. too. Some what? Do you, you don't remember that interview? No. In, like, the middle of the pandemic? Like no. The, 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 like, SF local news thought it'd be a good idea to interview Pelosi in her home and, like, look at her fucking $50,000 sub-zero, sub-zero refrigerator and her, like, t- exotic Talenti gelato collection. <sighs> like, what can I say on here that won't get me arrested? let me put it to you this way this is an ad for thomas jefferson he once said that the uh tree of liberty needs to be watered with the blood of tyrants (laughs) that might be the one that Uh, might be the one i'll leave it at that uh but that's what she deserves she's an absolute subhuman gargoyle lizard person she's made like also whoever does her botox man that's a Ponzi scheme. That was a good meme. That. You didn't see that one. Like the, the eyebrows. The, go I, oh, up. I saw that one. That was Some, phenomenal. Somebody else beat me to that? No, I saw that one on yours. Okay, good. Somebody, If somebody beat me to that, I'm just, <laughs> What was that? The stocks? <laughs> it shows her stock prices. <laughs> you show her eyebrows. If somebody beat me to that, I quit. I'm done. Uh, yeah, no. He, her husband has been, I think it's like they're worth 200 or 250 million at this point, And she's been basically living on it congresswoman's it's the same salary. thing with mitch mcconnell too just so we yep. know that we're not like slinging, oh yeah slinging oh, yeah. rocks on on one side of the aisle i, I want to make it clear when the the boot is on your face whether it's the left or the right one it doesn't matter yep. um mitch mcconnell's made like whatever the senate salary is for the last 10 years he's worth like 30 million dollars yep and his wife was even she was in the public sector too like she she wasn't i don't think she was making crazy money either they, like it, it is absolute. This is this it's is a criminal. It's a bi-party problem. Remember, remember the beginning of the pandemic, the Kelly Loeffler lady, and I think it was also the other Georgia senator. Yeah, yeah. They did that meeting in like January 2020. They walk outside. They tell everyone, "Oh, there's no problem." They like COVID. Moderna. Called home, sell everything, and <laughs> they sold every single fucking stock. Hey, Pfizer just figured out the SaaS subscription model. Let's long them. Oh my god. Jesus. All right, here's the here's the chart. <laughs> Wait, this chart's phenomenal. Sorry, I gotta I gotta lose the Grateful Dead that's been playing back that's here fine. for a while. That's so, a great show. That's actually an all time show. That's in the that's in the top fifteen. But anyway, these are these are the members of Congress that beat the SPY in 2021. So for all you boys and girls out there that that sounds like Japanese, the SPY is essentially 
It is the S&P 500, which is the main index of yes. basket of 500 power stocks that we measure here in the United States market. So, And for additional context, can we talk about how, like, how many hedge fund managers? These are like the, the elite of the elite financial advisors, right? Or lever pullers. How many of them beat the S&P 500? Not this many. <laughs> okay, just to be fair. Not at all. With a, like, a lot of Ivy League education and, and juice behind them. So anyway, continue. Funny you bring that up. Yeah. Stay tuned on that one. But um, yeah, uh, yeah. So Don't get me started. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to put this chart. Oh, is in, that the S&P at the bottom? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put this chart in the bottom right of the screen and the beautiful part about it is it is all red and blue so this this is this is a bipartisan chart right here this shows you <laughs> good to see them come together on... <laughs> they all came together on something yeah, they came, came together to rob you blind the uh, this is just one year this is why you're locked in your home by the way this... they gave you 1200 bucks for that <laughs> this is one year right here these are the members of congress that beat the SPY in the year of our Lord, 2021. Dan Crenshaw is such a fucking idiot. I think there's... Are there 50 people on this? It's It might be 40. It's it's about 35 it or 40. It should be zero. It should be zero. Like, they like they, they did just introduce some legislation, bipartisan, I think, that says, like, they're going to stop trade. I, that thing's going to get shut the fuck down. It's going to take two days. I don't have a problem with them owning like mutual funds in a blind trust, or like exactly. they could like even own stocks in a blind trust. But Pelosi is literally trading options. Like, they, like she's trading like Amazon options, and before and before Can you they announced mandates to the deal, because I like probably don't understand them as well as you. But it's like I just want people to understand how ridiculous it is that a sitting senator is trading options. I'm going to give the really watered down version. I'm not even going to go into it. I'm just going to give the basics so that people could have an idea. But it's abs- can we agree it's absurd? Oh, it's absurd. An option is a highly, highly volatile, risky investment where you are essentially paying for the right. Okay? So if you own, and this came up with Bill Fasciolo and we explained it, but I think we could do a better job. So this is a good opportunity. If you own... 10 shares of Tesla, which was the example I used with him. And Tesla's trading not at this price, but I'm going to keep the number simple. Let's say Tesla's trading at $10 a share. Mm -hmm. And today is February 1st. And you decide that you think Tesla's going to be trading at maybe $15 a share by April, which is completely arbitrary. Think of all the shit that happens on a macro scale, let alone an individual stock. On a 24-hour cycle. Yeah, yeah, in three months. And you decide that at least by then it's going to cross 15 at some point. So you want to buy an option on the stock. And so what you do is you go to the marketplace and someone who owns Tesla stock currently will be selling the right for you to buy 100 shares of Tesla on, let's say – April 1st, meaning like that's the last date you could possibly buy. You could buy it tomorrow or you could buy it the day before. And it means that if you say strike after you bought this from them, they have to sell you the Tesla stock at $10 that it is today. So if Tesla's at $15 on April 1st, you're in the money. You made five, they're selling you 100 shares for a $5 discount Mm. and you get it on April 1st and you can turn around and sell it and have a profit of 500. Now, doesn't work that way because you do pay so like let's say you paid two dollars a share Mm -hmm. but you think it's going to 15 
And then it does. And so on April 1st, it goes to 15. You cash it in. They sell it back to you for 10 bucks. You pay $200 for the 100 shares total because it was $2 a share. You sell it for 500 bucks. You made $300 profit. This is, this is the kind of thing that if you are not in the markets every day doing yeah. it, you have no fucking, like, I, I'm, I wasn't allowed to slap clients across the face in, in my business. They yeah. didn't, they didn't take kindly to that, but I would, I would tell them on the phone, I am punching you in the face, like in my mind right now when they would ever even mention the word option, because I'm like, you're not a fucking day trader. Yeah. Like, that's not how this like, works. Take your funny money and either go bet yeah. on the horses yeah. or play options. Frankly, I would recommend they bet on horses first. Like that's how, cause here's the thing about options. You bet on a horse. I bet five hundred bucks on a horse. I lose five hundred bucks. Options can be called what's, and they don't have to be this way, but they can be naked. Which I'd want to see how many of hers are naked. Meaning they're probably all. Naked. You have all exponential risk on either side. So you, it's not just like oh, I might lose too. If the stock market decides to move forty percent because like I don't know, coronavirus happened. You're fucked. You are fucked. And by the way, my team and Merrill that I work for is a private banker. We traded the most options in the entire firm hmm. for for individual clientele across nationally, across Merrill at the time we were there because we had clients who uh, – I can't say who they were, but they were – there was a select group within there who were former titans of Wall Street. Some mm -hmm. of these people literally invented like – options certain yeah yeah so we had we had one guy who was a legend and he could sit like when he retired it was kind of because like he had to because he got paid out a lot of money yeah. and like it was like well now it's time to retire but he's like he decided it was his life's job after that to then be a professional options trader like he was every day of his life so he would this guy would trade I mean, we would write options at like a hundred grand at a time, like boom, boom, boom every day. And so he would, what would happen is he would make, you know, five, six million dollars over, you know, just writing the same shit, making quick income on like mm -hmm. shit that's expiring the next day. He would make that over, I don't know, but a certain time period. And then it would always net out. Like he would, he, he won over time and did well. Like he mm -hmm. was in the green because he was a pro. But like when he lost, it wasn't like he was losing for five months usually and just kind of trickled down. It was like, no, no, he lost seven million in one day. Like yeah. we called him up, like, uh, yeah, we need, we need seven. <laughs> and it was like, sorry. Fuck. <laughs> but that's how difficult this shit is. This guy invented that stuff. Yeah. So like now a senator's husband, her fucking has options on her limp dick husband and out and out in California. Is sitting there fucking chewing Viagra and buying Amazon options at a perfect time. Come on. It's a fucking inside. And who's this dude at the top? I don't know. Austin Scott? I'm going to pull it back over here so I can see it. Hold on. Whatever. Jerry's still going. Never stops. You know he lost a finger on his guitar hand, too. That, yeah, that's savage. Austin Scott, <laughs> Brian Mass. Actually, the Republicans are dominating the top of this list. Austin Scott, Brian Mass, French... There's a guy named French Hill. What a name. I told you this is the end of times. John we're we're Kirsch, coming up on a new paradigm. Dan Crenshaw, man. The the only thing I would... He's I a would, fucking feckless idiot. I would love to see if Dan Crenshaw owned... like <laughs> This would be really stereotypical. But if he owned like all the... Um, a, like all the pharma stocks. And B, all the defense contract stocks. <laughs> 
and that's just what like it wasn't even options that's just what did it <laughs> but you're getting all the information on that too you can't tell me you're not yeah this this stuff is fucking this is crazy i remember a, a guy I used to caddy for he was very successful in the consulting business he was one of the preeminent retail consultants like in the world and he told me about his setup one time as so i asked him i said like you know i was curious to see like what smart guys like that do like do they sit around and speculate ever in the stock market and he goes yeah. never <laughs> and i'm like why and he goes well you know I, it's not like i work with 100 percent of companies not even close but yeah. like I don't have time to figure out what client's tied to what client. He's like, it's a Chinese wall, man. His advisor, he wrote, there's a document that, and we had to do this once or twice for a client, but there's a document that a client can request or they may be required to request mm -hmm. it where they basically sign it as a, it's like a blind trust. Tr yeah, blind trust. Where they don't know, they give their financial advisor the reign to know what the investments are and they it's weird like they can't know they can't even know yeah and he would always be like we do all funds no individual didn't iverson's shit. investor do that for him wasn't that the story he hid like 50 million from him because he knew that like iverson was gonna burn <laughs> the whole thing down fucking legend that man's a saint first of all yeah secondly do you know he used to buy like a new yeah. mitchell and ness outfit every city he went and then he would just leave, leave it. it yeah yeah this guy put it was a uh his financial advisor had i think he had jesus on his shoulder i i don't, I don't know what was going on but they they put because you could have ripped that guy off he could have and it's like heartbeat but i he did some sort of trust where he put 35 million in it yeah. which you can imagine is probably worth a fuck ton more now and iverson couldn't touch it until he was i believe 50 years old and he can take out like two million a year so he's basically he's paid for life yeah he's set he's done what a good financial advisor. Uh, that that guy deserves sainthood. I hope he's a Bitcoiner. I hope he's a Bitcoiner too. <laughs> For all the bad stories we hear about financial advisors. Like that's a great one. That's a good like, dude. Cheers to that fucking guy. Cheers like, to that guy. Like Love he could have robbed that guy blind. Yeah. What was that story? Dude, Iverson Iverson doesn't get talked enough about in Philly. No, we're totally off track of Bitcoin. Right no, now. no, this is good. I love combos like this. What do you mean he doesn't get talked about enough? There's like an like Allen Iverson night legend, every other night. Dude. He's you do? There's an Allen Iverson night like every week at a Sixers game. Yeah, but it doesn't come up enough in like conversation. Yes, that's I agree with that. Because Philly fans are so negative. It's like oh, Donovan McNabb threw like a couple worm burners. It's like, well, Iverson frosted Michael Jordan up. He's tight. He also played with some of the worst rosters I have ever seen in he my entire life. He could have won a championship he could have if there were competent management but he uh i would say like all due respect to lebron whose 2007 roster he took was bad that was that the cavaliers won the first yes one? That, that was a good one that was incredible that he took them there that was the second worst starting five ever though because the roster that iverson took and actually won a game against shaq and kobe in the fucking finals in la that, against yeah. was i that was it makes my stomach sick that he took them and like beats good teams along like yeah. they beat the Raptors with Vince Carter. They beat the Bucks who were loaded with Ray Allen and Glenn that Big Dog Robinson. Team. Like they earned their way there. And that was that was one little five foot ten dude. I just love the Iverson stories like I'm thinking of him in the context of Bitcoin. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't. I don't think. I don't think he's a Bitcoiner, but he doesn't give a fuck like no. like Bitcoiners. Like, 
what would he do? He would like eat Taco Bell like in the like in the bathroom at practice. The talking about practice rent is legendary. Like there's like the stories where he would like take like a bunch of the strippers like from sh- <laughs> like some shitty restaurant on Market Street, and it's like a it's like a it's like a Rick James story where he's like. No, I didn't take them to Market Street. Like, yeah, sometimes I would take, like, 15, 20 strippers from Delilah's to Market Street. Like, what a guy. Like, that's... He reminds... You know, he's like a... He's like a Hunter Biden. He's like a party animal. He was... He was definitely a party animal. I also wonder, though, because, like... He most of his run existed before the social media age, which definitely helped. But he did exist in the internet age. And the number of people... Who had to keep a secret on shit that happened every single day? Impressive. It's almost as good as the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. And oh, I knew you were going to bring it up. I thought the, I was going to. It's almost as good it. as the Ghislaine Maxwell trial and Hunter Biden's laptop. Two All of my right. two of my favorite stories of the year. All right, I want to get to Ghislaine. Frankly, it's it's more important. Maybe we'll get to Hunter, but. I just want to say that Hunter is the most legitimate person in the Biden family. Shame on whatever. What? Yeah, he's easily the most legitimate person in the Biden family. What? No. By far. How? Because he's just fucking flipping finger paintings to like go get high. (laughs) Like at least his like at least his aims are straightforward. Joe Biden's a Manchurian candidate for some evil like megacorp. And Jill Biden, shame on her for trotting him out there while he has dementia. She doesn't have any choice. Yeah, well, she has no choice, dude. Hunter's legit. All he's trying to do is sell his <laughs> finger paintings to go party, and I can I can respect that. I'm like you're getting five hundred thousand dollars a finger painting. I, you know what? I would. He he's not that far from here. I would love to talk to Hunter. I'd love to go party with Hunter for one night. <laughs> I don't know if I'll last, but I think it could be entertaining. But he's the most legitimate person in the Biden family. He's a, he's at least it's straightforward. He is a means to an end. Biden is like a pawn for like an evil group of people. Hunter is just trying to fucking party. Again, he doesn't have any choice. Like, you can't tell me. I, I don't care what people and I know people disagree, but like I said this over and over again, he didn't want to do this. It, it, whatever it was, somebody fingered him and said, "Joe, you're up." Oh, oh, you want Hunter to continue to be free? You don't want these cases made? Yeah, step in, buddy. Like that's how this went. Fair enough. The laptops are real, and the media burying that is a disgrace. I mean, you were you remember like even look at the the, the one thing about the GOP, which is like they suck. Make, making it's making fun of them, but secretly also, I I like the incompetence as like a selfish person who hates the system. Like they're not good at reining people in. No, but even they tried to do it. Like they made an attempt in 2015 with Trump and failed miserably. Like the the Democratic National Committee is fucking phenomenal at oh. reining people in. And oh, so yeah. if they want something to happen, they get it. And so I think that's what they like you can't tell me like obviously Joe had a lot of gaffes in his career and he wasn't he wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed and you know whatever, but he was the, you knew what you were getting. He was your regular political animal. He was a political moderate kind of guy. You know, he and I would disagree probably on some government agency bureaucracy things for sure, but not the kind of guy who's like going to make a break one way or the other. And then suddenly as a fucking, how many years was he in, in government? Like 40 some years yeah. as, a, as an old man who I don't know what happened between 2016 and 2019 when he came out to run again, but a lot happened apparently. With, with you know his aging like 
now he comes out and now he can't even talk and now he has all these other stances and seems to do things that are against previous stuff he believed like i just don't i don't buy that i mean he's a he's a perfect rothschild plant but oh we, can my co- god. we can come back to that oh my god okay all right all right i, I gotta rein you in a little bit so <laughs> here, here's the thing about Ghislaine maxwell imagine using a flip phone in today's iphone era and I'm not talking about the people who go to a flip phone for a predetermined period of time to get rid of phone addiction or to disconnect. That's fine. I, I, I think that's great. But I'm saying long term, imagine just saying, fuck it. I am not going to use an iPhone. I'm not using an Android. I'm going to use a flip phone. I'm going to use this Verizon Razor or whatever it was forever. You're going to be at a disadvantage if you do that, Period. And this is exactly how I feel about people who do not sleep on an 8 Sleep Pod Pro cover. The 8 Sleep Pod Pro cover is the first mattress accessory, and it comes in a full-blown mattress as well, the 8 Sleep Pod Pro mattress. But the 8 Sleep Pod Pro cover that I use is the first mattress accessory that successfully leverages technology to make sure that you have the deepest possible sleep and you wake up in the morning feeling completely energized because of it. Other mattress companies have tried. No tech companies have ever really gone into it to do it. And 8 Sleep is the first tech company to come into mattresses and say, we're going to win this game. And they are. So if you use that link in my description, along with the code TRENDIFIER at checkout, that's T-R-E-N-D-I-F-I-E-R, you can get $100 off your own 8 Sleep Pod Pro cover today, and you can also get $100 off your own 8 Sleep Pod Pro mattress if you want to get a full-blown mattress as well. The products are the same, one just has the actual mattress if you want to actually replace your own. So, link in description, TRENDIFIER, checkout, $100 off, change your life today. I would like to... Give a huge compliment to the marketing arm of the federal government, who are some of the best marketers in the world when they really put their mind to it. Gillian Maxwell was put on a sham trial in the Southern District of New York, which, in fairness to them, all federal trials – and this is a ridiculous rule, but it's true. All federal trials do not have a camera in the courtroom, Mm -hmm. so they couldn't set that up. But that rule should absolutely be changed. There should be cameras in there. That's neither here nor there. But she goes on trial. I believe it started – like late November, so around Thanksgiving time, runs through December. Interesting timing. Interesting timing, right? Like they they work this right into the lull. Perfectly. Perfectly. And so then the case just so perfectly goes to the jury, I believe on like December 22nd. And it was like the 26th, which is even better. Well, they were t- they were going to deliver oh, they were going to deliberate. Yeah. Remember, we that? deliberated right through Christmas week. Well, they they the judge gave them off a couple of days on oh. Christmas, but then she she rushed them back in because she said, "Oh, we need I don't Omicron has me very worried. We need you guys deliberating." The same judge was tapped by President Joe Biden a few days, I believe, before the trial, a few weeks, something like that, before the trial to be nominated to i think it was an appeals court like a higher job Mm -hmm. right and now she's on this case so no cameras in the courtroom judge tapped by someone in the government and the whole government is wasn't comey's daughter the prosecutor interesting guy what's the gripe against him was he the the russiagate guy i actually don't know the story who james comey yeah he was get jim diorio in here to talk about his old boss james comey he doesn't mention words he's uh he was just a a total narcissistic egomaniac. Okay. And who just ran the FBI like his personal attorney's office. So 
perfect for the establishment. Okay, continue. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt. But so, I knew there was something there, but I just didn't. I hey, didn't. we're just reviewing the facts here before, yeah. we, before we dig into it. But okay. yeah, his daughter was the lead prosecutor, which technically she was the lead prosecutor back when Epstein got arrested. So that didn't change, but Good that was kind of weird that yeah. she was back then either way. Pharaoh. So Ghislaine goes on trial. We don't see any of it. We hear about it. We hear little tidbits. The media is incredibly quiet in their reporting instead of moving all the TV screens to complete round the clock Epstein coverage with graphics and everything as it should have been. Just like Kyle Rittenhouse. Just like Kyle Rittenhouse. They did not do any of that. And so Ghislaine's trial goes to the jury. As I said, they didn't, the judge rushed him back after Christmas and the verdict comes in with, it was almost all guilty. Like they didn't find her guilty on one of the counts. I would have loved to see that conversation. But anyway, (laughs) comes back almost all guilty. So she's fucked. But, so it, it, it seems like a happy ending to the story. The decision comes down from the jury on Wednesday, December 29th. And it's really interesting how the calendar just worked out to their advantage this year. Just couldn't. <laughs> couldn't have been any better. Because, it's a total coincidence. Because it's, it's post-Christmas week. Everything's in a lull. And if you want to see, like, I can even show you the graphs of my content, like some regular asshole, and you will see, like, that week. Dink everything's down and the content was still the same. Like I was putting out the same output and having the same engagement rates and everything. So everything's down. This happens to be a year where new year's Eve falls on a Friday, the end of the week, new year's day falls on a Saturday. So the focus on the end of the year is on the news dump day and the news dump day. Sunday is January 2nd, which is one of the highest depression rates of the year because people are now like, holy shit, it's a new year. I got resolutions. I got to do this all again. Work starts on Monday. Oh, no. no one's paying attention. Another loop. <laughs> so we are now four days past this news. It's old like a left out Chef Boy RD can on your goddamn kitchen counter. And then Monday comes around, it's five days old, and now the new Newsweek and the new year all starts at once. And so even though Ghislaine was found guilty, all the other details around it and the fact that the federal government, by the way, ordered that all the records of Epstein are hereby sealed, just like J.F. motherfucking K. Mm -hmm. All of that is ignored. Where to even start with that one? I'll sit back and let you roll. Um, well, on the JFK front, the Federal Reserve offed him. He wanted to put them back on a monetary standard. That's why he got shot. Okay. Moot point. We'll come back to that. We're, we're going to have the same logic to maybe a different means, but our, our opinion on who and and logic behind is going to be the same so i don't think it really matters so let me just i'll let me let me repeat it back to you and i'll tell you if i'm missing something okay uh gulane is guilty of sex trafficking to no one apparently according to the federal government because where is the list who was she sex trafficking to we're gonna seal the list off we're gonna fucking seal the list off can I, give, can I give you a piece of breaking news? What? Never said this before. This is this is live right here. I think I did text you a little tidbit of this. But this this unfortunately has to be regular bullshit journalism shit where I got to say a source. But real random one 
like some guy got connected to maybe two and a half years ago, something like that. He made a call back when Ghislaine got arrested mm-hmm. and cited, and he told me who his source was. I was like, wow, that's pretty good. And ended up being correct. I won't say what the details there were, but it was something I'm like, no fucking way. And then it was right. And according to him and his source, who you had to take my word for it, but he told me who it was, and it's very, very high placed. Allegedly, there are at least people who are employed by the federal government, but I don't know if they're working on behalf of whoever runs it, who are currently negotiating with her attorney to give her immunity, let her walk free in exchange for not just the handing over, which they already – they technically have like that black book and everything, but it – like Epstein's that has all the context and stuff, but it doesn't mean anything because they don't – he could have just written Mm -hmm. shit down. They don't know who, what, when, where, why, how, how it's all connected in exchange for her – giving a full, including, and I don't know how this would all work, proof-backed explanation of the entire network and every single person that was involved, they will let her walk free. And the same source told me, and this was his opinion in being injected into it, this is not a report, but he's like, I don't think she'll make it that long. She's not going to make it if she does it. Like, what does she have to gain? Does she turn around as a person and decide she's like a good person after all the horrible disgusting things she's been a part of like is that her martyrdom is that like her repentance i don't think she thinks like that no i don't think she does she's a fucking terrible person she's a disgraceful lizard human so what she she snitches on everyone walks free (laughs) to the people she's ratting out control all the alphabet agencies like she's done she's toast that's what i'm saying it'll never get there It'll never... That's what he said. It'll never get there. Like, it just... It's an... I mean, you know, kudos to them. They ran a a godfather trial. Nobody talks. Everybody walks. It was unbelievable that, like, they somehow got her to take the fall. I wonder what the back-end payment or structure of that looks like. Um, But it's, it's like, heartbreaking in a way. It's... You know, I thought that would be a real... Shame on me. For believing in it i thought i thought that would bring some some people to justice but again the narrative continues to melt down they're dredging up the like the sexual allegations against bill gates those are coming back to light so you have to think if like bill gates can be played it's kind of like the the front man and then now he's gonna like take the dive who's really who's running it I, and that's a good point to raise i don't know that it's like Am I thinking too deeply? No, I think you're thinking of it actually, in my opinion, completely correctly. I don't think it's, it's a person. No, it's a people. It's yeah. like a cartel. The, the, that's the thing. It's like, so, oh my God, that's an incredible example. You just walked right into this, but this is great. When they put El Chapo in prison, did the cartel stop? No. Exactly. When you remove, when you try to kill the dog... If you cut off a fucking long toenail, which is all one person in a very powerful dog could be in the hypothetical parallel of being a body part of it. Mm -hmm. If you you remove a toenail, nothing happens. It fucking itches it and it moves on. Maybe puts a little bandage on and it's done. You have to cut off the head of the dog or the head of the snake to kill it. 
Bill Gates is not like hypothetically. He, he's a he's a he's a scale. He's a he's a toenail. Yeah. You know, so there's who, a, there's so many people. Who's the head? I don't. That's the thing. I it's people, like you said. It's like they where we go one, we go all. They're the Bitcoiners of the Epsteiners. That's that that the, they're the evil version of that. Yeah, they are. I just like that's how this all ends. Like in terms of what we've been talking about in terms of like the thread that binds like it's a it's a fight i think we're in a fight versus like good and good and evil at this point in time and like i think the cards are they're kind of on the table after the last couple of years like they want to roll out like a social credit system just like china they want central bank digital currencies that they can pull the mic in just a little bit sorry yeah that they can like track like 100 percent you're like you're are you seeing that chatter about like cbdc's yes oh yeah all the governments are, are yeah. looking at it so they want like a central bank digital currency they want to adopt the blockchain and they want to pervert it to surveil yes everything that you do and they're going to do things like oh you've spent too many cbdc's on things that aren't carbon neutral like <laughs> Your account is shut down or, like, you've spent too much on heating. Like, if you give them that level of control, I just hope people have seen, like, what they've done over the last couple of years. I think I think it's a culmination of they've been hiding behind the mask and, like, now the cards are out. Like, if you look at Australia, where there's huge Chinese influence, by the way. Enormous. Like, um, it's owned. That's the future that, that they want for you. And they literally say it. Like, the World Economic Forum literally said, like, you'll own nothing and be happy. You'll own nothing Like, where the fuck did Klaus Schwab come from? That guy can get fucked. There's nothing, no, and, and like, tinfoil hat fully on. There is actually, quite literally, nothing really known about him before the age of 22. Like, where did he come from? I don't know. And, like, like they say it. And that's the thing. Like, they're saying it out loud. They're starting to say the quiet part out loud. And, like, you do well to pay attention to it. They're brazen. Yeah, why wouldn't they be? Exactly. They're winning so far. But we got we to gotta decide if we want to live free or, like, die in, in their fucked up, like, pod ecosystem i swear to god if the world economic forum posts one more fucking article about how eating cricket protein is good for you i'm gonna lose my shit i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna fucking lose it but that's what they want for you dude they want you to live in the pod they want you to eat the bugs and that would be my one thing i would push back on like the metaverse like they want you to put on the vr goggles like they just want people to be like tax slaves or like tax cattle like yes they don't want you to be free i guess is my main point and it's because the system that they're operating in is collapsing and they're not and that's the fiat system right like the central banking u.s dollar fiat it's always system. gonna come back to that yes of course mm-hmm. always it's like a grateful dead jam we go way out <laughs> <laughs> and then we come back but you have to recognize that money is their form of control it's the main form of control it's what makes the it's what makes the world go around and their money is failing yeah. And they've controlled it for so long. And if you think they're just going to be like, ah, yeah, let's switch over to Bitcoin. But where do these people get off? 
I don't know. They get off at, dude, these are people that have been, they just spent 20 years in Afghanistan fighting guys in caves that like have never done anything to us. Well, I would argue a lot Maybe more not for anything. Iraq. I would, Iraq would be uh, the best. Yeah, because like there and and again, like the, the a lot of the Afghanistan people had fucking nothing to do with anything, but there was at least there was there was yeah, there was a central focus there. And I that's always, a misstatement by me. But the point is taken because all they did was they used Afghanistan as an excuse to already be in the fucking region. In, yeah, in look the region. Up over oh, here. Yeah, fuck. Oh, by the way, oh, look at that cruise <laughs> missile. <laughs> Like, the, did you see the movie? That's a million to Raytheon, Raytheon, Raytheon. <laughs> Dude, you, they're criminals. They're fucking criminal grifters. Did you see the movie Vice? A, yeah, a while ago. Oh, it's incredible. It's like, it, it's actually like, and it's so spoofy, but it's like, read the history. It's pretty accurate. I mean, yeah. like, that's what he was. and That's what Dick Cheney did. And like, you know, we we boil it down to like one person like that, just like we boil down Epstein technically yeah. to like a person or like whatever. But it's a system, and like it's still in the context of a global population. Mm-hmm. It's still such a small little click. Like, how many people are at that or at the World Economic Forum and doing their bidding relative to the global population? Point zero 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 one. No, I think you'd have to add a few more zeros. Yeah, exactly. Even better, right? So, yeah. But that's what I want to end. Like, I'm so sick of that. But, like, those people, they were kids once, right? And a lot of those people, by the way, their parents had nothing to do with any of this. They were, Some of them, it's certainly passed down. But others, it's like... They got raised by the nanny, most of them. Either way, <laughs> let's even talk about the ones that didn't, though. And let's say it's 25% of them. Somehow... There's a thing that goes on in their brain, like there's a personality trait they have that maybe everyone has, but it got exploited by someone who got them, said one little little psychosis experiment, said one thing and made them believe it, said another thing and made them believe it, and eventually got them to say things to themselves, keep believing it, keep believing it, keep believing it, that then they start putting out articles where they say, you're going to own nothing and be happy. That that was one of my favorite. That's a great one because it's real, right? Like I'm I'm not making that up. Like that's a real. Did you read the article? I couldn't bring myself to. No, it's I read, fantastic. I read the headline and I wanted to vomit. I read it. It's some chick, like some whatever, like professor from Denmark or some shit like that, talking about like riding bikes and shit and never going four miles away from your house. I, if I remember it correctly, call me on that if I didn't. But like I read it and like she actually, in her defense. Built her case, and I'm like, this is a real person who actually wrote these words and believes them. <laughs> I didn't say it was going to be easy. We're up. We're up against it. <laughs> but the be- my favorite one was uh, a Washington Post op-ed, which, um, if you look at Washington Post, don't say it. Don't say it. But do you know what I'm talking about? Don't say it. I'm not going to say it. I'll refill my drink. Don't say it. Do I do I have this up? I was looking at this earlier. Do I have this up? Do you know what I'm going to say? Democracy dies in darkness with the headline being we need to give more power to the elites. <laughs> Did I nail it? <laughs> like, do you know how fucking fucked in the head you have to be to, to write that? 
<laughs> so what are we gonna do? Like, what are we gonna do? Do you think Bitcoin can get this out? Get get us out of this? Or am I am I huffing? Glue? I mean, I put my money where my mouth is. I've owned it for a long time. I've ne- I've this is a fact. I I have never sold or exchanged a single cent worth or sat worth. Better man than me. Of a Bitcoin, I I just like it is a side thing. It is a, a and I I don't, I don't really have money. Like I have basically none. I'm pretty poor. But like the the pennies that I had over the years, I would set aside a little bit and say, pretend I'm lighting it on fire, mm. because this is this is this is not. Eventually, it will be, but it's not an investment. I, I cut my teeth in investments. I know, yeah, yeah. I know how to think of investments. And, and so like when I would buy stocks, or so, I, that's how I thought of it, right? Yeah. And I happily sell that shit once in a while. Don't have much of it left, but like I would still sell it. <laughs> Bitcoin, it was never like that. Yeah. It just, it's a weird, and, and, and even if it's playing into some of the, you know, culty stuff with it, Anything that is going to upend and be the tipping point of some of the greatest establishments in world history is going to have to have an element of that. It just uh, it has to. You can't suddenly you can't be like, yeah, you know, we'll have this little hobby as a group here, and like, yeah, yeah we'll we'll overtake the monetary. No, like there has to be an element of cultiness. I will always be a check to that power, and where it gets like insanely culty, like where you got. Peter McCrackhead, or whatever the fuck his name is, like calling Elon Musk or whatever he called him. We're not allowed to say that word anymore. But whatever he called him, right? No disrespect. I apologize. But, you know, like, there's like, when I see that, I will call that out and say, you're a fucking moron. But, like, the concept of, yeah, you have to have a little bit of a, of a cut edge sword on, on a little, on, on some of this, at least, I get that. I, I do get that. I hear you. Yeah, you gotta have you gotta have strong beliefs. Like it's like the intolerant minority has made like a bunch of changes throughout history, right? Like that's it's never it's never like a a formation of the masses that makes like a huge change. It always starts small and then it and then it grows. And I think like Bitcoin is like a really hardened intolerant minority, but like. I'm happy to give you my view. Like, how do you think this Please. plays out over the next like one to two years, three to five? Like, where are we just as like a society, not just Bitcoin, Bitcoin can play into it. But like, how do you see the next couple of years going? I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Well, I want to start with you actually on that because I, I need to. There's a couple layers to that that are outside Bitcoin, too. But I want to see if you put that in there first. Oh. It's like a test now. It's <laughs> yeah. like a test now. Yeah, it's a good test. Jesus, Christ. I got enough liquor. I'm feeling good. I got to think about it for a second. Um, hmm. So you you were saying one to two years in five? Yeah, like I'm just wondering what the world looks like, right? Because like the last couple of years have been wild from yes. like a like a worldwide perspective, right? Like probably nothing that's ever been seen before, not in our in our lifetime. So I'm trying to wonder, like, dude, two years ago feels like 10. I get depressed thinking about that. I do. Yeah, I don't like it. Um, I don't like it at all. 
it seems like you know some good times it's all july august september october 2019 yeah it's all got like a little cloud over it. yeah exactly i don't want the cloud anymore i want the i want like the breakthrough like yeah yeah. you know what i mean like the Me and Amanda Levy were talking about that, and I asked her, and she was like, yes. So she was thinking of it the same way. It's like you almost think of it like those cartoons when you grew up where <laughs> they would flash back and they'd show, like, the kid would be whatever show it was, and he'd, he'd flash back to something, and it would all be gray and yeah. dull, and then he'd flash forward, and it would be, like, color. It's like that in reverse. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Now we're sticking with the theme that the future is brighter. I'm saying, be. yeah, but I'm saying like it's been like that. It's been like that, yeah. And yeah. that's why I was surprised to hear you say like it's, it's getting bright again now. But I'm like, it has to. It has to, yeah. And we have to all collectively <laughs> believe that. All right. So here's what happens over the next year. 365 days. Inflation goes wild. It's already gone wild. Remember, again, these people fucking hate you and they lie to your face. Neil Kashkari, crazy eyes. Guy's clearly a psychopath. Minnesota Fed guy. Yeah. I think it's Minnesota. I'll probably get that wrong, but no, that's whatever. Right. Inflation yeah. is transitory. No, Neil. Actually, it's not. And now he's like, oh. <laughs> Actually, inflation's higher than we thought. It's like, no fucking shit, dipshit. You just printed $14 trillion, <laughs> you dumb fuck. He's, he's on the Yellen plan. Anyway. Uh, Never seen Yellen? You see people that hold Hercule guards, they don't even hide it. They're this holding is, them they're holding them over here. This is another ad for Jefferson Reserve. If you'd like the Yellen and Pelosi pairing, call me up. Oh anyway, we'll sorry, put them go at ahead. the bottom of the tree. Um Kashkari says inflation's transitory, so you say inflation's gonna be out of control because they're full of shit. I mean it's already out of control. Yeah. It's already out of control. So they say it's at seven point one on the CPI. Can you I agree conservatively tw- it's, it's at, at thirteen? 20. Oh, you're at 20. Let's be conservative. Let's say it's 15. I'll split the difference. All right, cool. So I think inflation continues to rise. I think Biden bows out in the next year. Does Harris bow out too? No, she loves it. And then they don't like her though. Yeah, but she's the vice president. What are they going to do? They're going to get, they're going to move someone else in there. How? I don't know. How do you replace the vice president? Seen some crazier shit. We did replace a president in 1963. That's true. We, excuse me, they. Don't use the royal. Not me. Don't use the royal they or we. Um, So I think inflation goes crazy. I think Biden's out within a year. He's got the lowest approval ratings of any president of all time. Really? No, it can't be that low. I think it's pretty low. I think it's like 20. It's definitely down there. It's like 28%. I don't know if anybody's touched 28%. I mean, Bush October 08, man. Yeah, but he didn't have the fucking liberal media establishment behind him. Mm. Jury rigging the polls. Like, they can't even rig the polls. <laughs> <laughs> they can't even rig the polls to make <laughs> to get it to like 30, like a respectable 30. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. Don't you love the clown world collapse? It's kind of fun. It's 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 a little scary listen, though. I think I think it's it's definitely scary, but I gotta laugh sometimes. 
you gotta it's funny it's like that end scene of fight club where it's like it's just all dude i the last five years we've had donald trump and joe biden as presidents it does not get any more (laughs) dumb than that that is some next level it's another question as to why smart people don't do it but that's another yeah fair point so inflation out of control biden out somebody in i'm wondering where the turning point is I don't know. What do you mean by turning point? Like where we flip to the positive and we start to like. Oh. So d- maybe it's a continued, um, like states' rights, uh, like the championing of that, like the way that Florida has kind of done their own thing, the way Texas has done their own thing. Maybe like one to two years in, it's like the continued, for lack of a better term, like balkanization of the United States. Like the federal government starts to become more dissolved two to three to four to five years out. And then like states get to decide how they want to be. Like if they want to be radical and, you know, have people show papers to go everywhere, like they get to do that in Oregon and New York. Or, you know, if you want to go down to Florida and live like a, like a fucking, crazy swamp person you get to go do that too and like live free so like maybe maybe that's the trend maybe it goes more local and like you see essentially what i'm saying is like a national divorce if you will like it's i think it's already happening dude i mean we live in two different countries right like you got to state college pennsylvania there's a hundred thousand people in the stadium Mm -hmm. and then I have to wear a mask to go to my table in Philly and then take it off. Like, it's just so stupid. Yeah, and that's like two different counties right there. Yeah, it's like three counties away. It's... So maybe that's... So maybe that's my prediction, I guess, is the is the balkanization of the United States. Is that we start, even if there's still... Which is really how it was always designed in terms of the Constitution, right? Like, states' rights were always supposed to be paramount. It's like this overarching federal system which has become omnipresent and way too large and way too influential so maybe it's a return to like states rights over the next two to three years and we get to have like a nice little a b test across this beautiful country that i still believe in still believe america is the best place to be but we got to do some different shit to save it because it's it's not going in the right direction so that's my answer no, it took a while. Sorry. No, it's no, it didn't take a while at all. It's really good. I agree. Now I'm going to raise a point into that final one and take it another layer. I've always believed that, or whenever I figured this out, so a few years ago, I've firmly believed that democracy, of course, is, has always been known as the best system in that way. That's for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. but countries who are not democracies that still exert a significant amount of power, albeit for the length of time they're able to do that in a tyrannical way, whatever it may be, or not democrat, not democratic way, the way that they can win is by using our democracy against us. Mm-hmm. And so the way to use the democracy against us and we're against wherever said democracy is, is by turning the democracy in on itself to attack itself, which mm-hmm. they have successfully done. Yep. A whole different bunch of ways. Don't need to run through the whole gamut, but fair to say they have. The thing I want to zero in on is this whole 
state trend. You know, when this all started and I started to see people moving like crazy, end of May 2020, that's when I first was like, oh, I was talking to people and they're like, oh, I'm going to Texas. I'm I'm going to Florida. Yeah. I was like, this is simulated. They they can simulate this stuff ahead of time. Alex Horowitz said it on this podcast. It's probably the most prescient thing that has hmm. ever or will ever be said on here. It was very early on. It was number 17. He was walking through as unbiased and deliberately as you – almost like an attorney. He was walking through the power platforms have, why they can have it, and also what they can do from a culture perspective. And he <laughs> – he said, I'm going to fuck up the line. It was so good. But he was explaining like through data points, they can simulate the way people change based on a stimulus. And so if – oh, fuck, how did he close it? He's like, <laughs> if you can predict the way culture changes, you can profit off that. Mm-hmm. And so I – have always looked at this state movement during the pandemic as they knew like all the states red and blue had their set up systems by may 2020 as to what they were going to do both of those sides knew what the results of that was going to be they knew that on average four percent of people net were going to leave x state for y state or then shift the electoral college or the or the legislative wins from here to here and then from there to there so that they could see how this was all going to play out over a set period of time based on human nature and data points gathered through technology where we are the product online what is the end goal of that is the end goal of that to separate all of us into these little individual unions and put so much power back into the states that we completely delegitimize any central federal power mm-hmm. to the point that hey long term that would be awesome in a way maybe i'd have to see how that looks but in the short term it to get to the long term it will fuck us over so much that we're not organized to the point that we become completely vulnerable we split ourselves all up and the powerful nations who rule with a totalitarian arm and their people can't do this get to have their centralized system centralized government centralized military and boom they come in and take it I worry about that. It's an interesting take. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it that way. But I think with like what they're trying to import, that's a genuine risk, right? Like you portion off the free thinkers mm-hmm. or the people that are independent minded, right? Like you're you're kind of you're kind of stress testing them in like the jurisdictions that they're being forced to leave, right? Like let's call it California and New York, because that's where most people have left. Yes. So you like stress test them. Jersey too, though, like Massachusetts, yeah. Illinois. Pennsylvania. I mean, Philadelphia, fucking shithole too. Yeah. Fucking breaks my heart, actually. Like I walk through Independence Hall and I think how far we've yeah. we've strayed. But, you know, that spirit remains and you can't, you can't do it. But what you're saying is that you kind of force them all out and then you hit them with this. What they want is a social credit scoring system attached to a central bank digital currency that basically the Federal Reserve and like their lackeys can control. That is the end goal here. 
you said that like everything that I've maybe thought would come true is is coming true. The end goal of all of this goes beyond the mandates, anything like that. Like even if they back off of it for a little bit, it's to take a deep breath. It's the end goal is a digital passport that has access to every angle of your life, most importantly, your money and and how you spend it. And that's what we're up against. And like, that's what I think the final battle is. And and that's what we, we have to like, not succumb. Like, that's just, if that happens, it's, it's over. It's over. And we, we have to prevent that from happening. What do those people get? The people who are causing all that, what do they get? Did you ever watch Squid Game? I actually haven't. No. Dude, everything's a game. Every like I'm playing a game, you're playing a game. At a certain point if you're that rich, like these people that are that rich, they're not doing it for money. Right. Like at a certain point, like you do enough drugs, you become numb to it. Like if you do enough things, you become numb to it. So you got to find something else to do. And the shit gets weirder and weirder. gets harder and harder. They're like in like a different stratosphere where they're like a global puppet master. And they get off on dictating how like people function across the world. Like that's, that's the only explanation I can come up with it. Like I can't think that way. Nor would I want to. Like, I just want to be left alone. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to chill. But something like these people that are, like the power brokers are like really like dialing these knobs that it's, I don't know. I, I can't get inside their mind, but like it's some, like anything else, I think it's a game. It's like a sick game that they want to be in control. It's just like a control thing. It's a, it's a control thing. I think like that's. That's the only thing I can think of. I think you have to be right. I still don't get it. Like, I think you have to be right. I just don't. Yeah, like, who wants to do that? Think of it this way. Who's one that people stereotypically always talk about in America? They always talk about the Clintons. The Clintons go out to dinner in fucking town in Chappaqua with their friends like regular people. Like, they still do some of these regular things. And, like, I'm putting on and saying, like, let's assume they're everything that, like, a conspiracy theorist says they are. They got a body count. So why, when they're out, like, just meeting their friend who's not in on whatever the conspiracy is, why can they depart from that reality, sit down, order a fucking filet mignon, and chat it up and... Bill, look at everyone who's not named Hillary in the fucking place, who's even remotely attractive. And, you Hopefully know. Hopefully he finds Ariana Grande again. That was a great, great meme. He what? Never saw that Ariana no. Grande meme? No. Oh, my God. Was that a Bill Clinton meme? Yeah. It was so good. Was he staring at her? Yeah, like, uh, God bless. It was, like, some beautiful soul singer who I like. I think I want to say it was Aretha Franklin, and he's, like, sleeping in the front row. And then Ariana Grande gets up and he's like. 
have it. I'll put it up here. <laughs> oh, wait. Here's damage. <laughs> Look at how sharp the two. For good measure. Cal loves it as well. Their, their eyes aren't up. I'll put it that way. She's a good looking girl. She's a great looking girl. Um, look at look at this one. Wait, wait, you gotta Jackson. You gotta find the meme of when he's like looking at like Aretha Franklin before he's like sleeping. Uh, uh, it's so good. Uh, uh, but I like in terms of how do they tap into normal reality? Like so do most serial killers. I don't know. No, that's interesting. I think these people are like sociopaths. They're like Christian Bateman in uh, American Psycho. That's who these people are. Christian Bateman had no ability to be to for a long period of stretch of time. Patrick Bateman, I should say, put on a face. He had to do that. I think these people have a face on, and there's something underneath that's. But that's what I'm saying. These people at least have a demonstrated ability to go weeks, months, whatever normal for most of the time oh, wait. let's see if we got that's where it gets confusing i'll put these pictures in the corner i can't find the aretha franklin one but the ariana grande ones are fucking incredible no he's like sleepy it's it's good but anyway you saw you saw the payoff so yeah that's fucking hilarious i i don't so to, to stay back on track on on your original question <laughs> that was all looking a year out and you were asking, like, you don't know where the tipping point is with, like, a Bitcoin. Is there, like, a percentage adoption? And I'm not just talking, like, regular people who just own a couple fucking cents of it in their Coinbase account. Like, a, like is there a percentage of the population number of adoption that we got to get to where suddenly boop, we're off to the races? I've never thought of it that way. I've never thought of it Why that not? way. I think it comes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's like circumstance. Like the best driver of Bitcoin adoption, unfortunately, is necessity. Yeah. Like you don't you don't buy it in a lot of cases until you need it, right? Until mm -hmm. like your currency is hyperinflating, until you like can't send your money to your family in Costa Rica or El Salvador. Like so, you know, maybe my prediction two to three years down the road is I don't think they can control inflation. I think they've they've lost the narrative. I think they've broken supply chains because the economy, the worldwide economy, the global outsourced economy that these brilliant globalists have built instead of fucking made in America. We need to get back to made in America because when everything's fucking built in China and pieced together in Bangladesh and packaged in India and now the supply chains are broken, we're seeing that come up and like now like it's it's worse now so i think that like those supply chain issues will continue i think that inflation will continue um i don't like none of it's going to be like none of it's going to be good over the next couple of years like i don't think it's going to be a good time but i think if if we have like the the right goals in mind and like the right targets in mind it's actually it's like a beautiful phoenix rising from the ashes, but there it's gonna. It's, I think it's gonna be really gnarly over the next couple of years. Unfortunately, like I think it's gonna be really like people like to the point that like people aren't gonna get their medicine that they need shipped to them to like survive. Oh, that's a real thing. There was something, and there's a book on it apparently. 
one one of the fans was talking to me. And I don't about want it. it to be that way. Of course not. I'm not rooting for any of this. Of but like, course not. But, but it's like, a it real is, concern. It is what it is. Like things are. You can't press pause on humanity, and we tried to do that for two years. And not only did we, maybe you can press pause once. Maybe, maybe you can get away with it once. But we've been like. You know what I mean? Yep. Like back and forth, like on, off, on, off, yeah. on, off. And you it's just for people listening, he's doing a freezing and, and stopping and starting again moment over and over. But yeah. Repetitive. Um, so I don't know. I, I, honestly, my projections haven't been been good here. I, I wish I could elaborate more, but I think inflation remains a problem. I think supply chains remain a problem. And, you know, I think that creates rippling effects that are problems yeah the the another thing bill fascio and i talked about a little bit but the supply chain of life-saving drugs that is dependent on china if they turn that off like a light switch millions of people die within three to four weeks in america millions of people you think coronavirus is bad at its peak you're done you're ripped you're finished dust it it's over what they produce like all the raw materials that uh, apparently yeah they produce fentanyl as well they seem to get that in the states pretty well they get that in here no problem they have a uh, incentive to do that you know for negative reasons but it's not a i don't look at it like one any one thing it's it, you know what you said something earlier i said we get to it this is a perfect time the next attack is a giant cyber attack Mm-hmm. What did you mean by that? Yeah, like I think, I think now is the time to, to like stand up, and I, I want people to become awake because the last model that they ran on us worked. Like everyone bought into lockdown indefinitely. Like an emergency doesn't last two years. No, it doesn't last two years, but it has. It continues. So. They're going to run the same playbook on a different terrain, and it's going to be more impactful. And it could be one of two things. It could be a climate lockdown, right? Because you've already seen that. There's articles about like how much better the climate's doing since lockdowns. So that's like a, a ground seed. And I'm a huge climate proponent, mm-hmm. first of all. like Everything I do is outside of golf. I surf. I snowboard. I have a vested interest in literally everything that gives me enjoyment outside of like my family and Bitcoin and doing things like this, like is outside. Yep. So like, I don't want to come off as like a climate denier or anything like that. Like, I think we should be doing the absolute best by the climate, but that's one angle. Like, Oh, the world's too hot. Flip side. I do remember like growing up in the nineties and they're like, Oh, the ozone hole is going to, everyone's getting skin cancer mm-hmm. like new york and california are supposed to be underwater at this point according to al gore and to the old pamphlets from the 90s so that's one angle it could be a climate fear climate lockdown water shortage lockdown it's all it's all in the same vein i think if they really lose control of the narrative they being the cathedral or shadow government or whatever you want to call it oh i like that the cathedral yeah the cathedral is essentially academia, like big corporations, World Economic Forum, government. That's the cathedral. Because they all work together. And the media. 
they're that's like absolutely the, that's the cathedral. So they work together. I think that the cyber lockdown will be next. And how does that work? Uh, bad actors have hacked into XYZ infrastructure. They already kind of floated it with like the pipeline hack. Remember that pipeline uh-huh. hack? So you got to you got to remember that these alphabet agencies are totally compromised and they're not working in Americans' best interests. They're not not trying to help you and me. Who comp when you say they're totally compromised? Is that from self-inflicted bureaucratic uh, slippery slope mountains that have long been skied down on their own accord or is it also outside sources or is it a combination? Uh it's probably total projection on my part. But, like, think about some of the things that have happened. Like, who was the Las Vegas shooter? What was that guy's name? I forget. It was, like, Wayne Some something. Wayne, was it Wayne Gacy? No, that no, was Wayne a, that Gacy was like an old school gangster. No, Wayne Gacy was, yeah. He was in the, the South Park episode. Ferrari cake. Ferrari cake episode. Yeah. But, I'll look it up. Go ahead. Uh, so, when things like that don't get looked into. when Remember they set a bomb off in Nashville? Doesn't get looked into. But the Las Vegas shooter would be a great example. The guy has, what, like a fucking... Steven Paddock. Steven Paddock. He has, what, 50 assault rifles? First of all, it's firing from multiple angles. It can't be one person. There's so many rounds discharged, like it's impossible. They find his computer, hard drive removed. And then you never... You never hear anything else about it. You didn't, never hear about it again. Didn't the one security guard from up there, like he went on Ellen the next day, and then he was never heard from again or something? Yeah. I think he's alive, I think. But, like, he never... Not for long. He didn't. He never did any media after that. No, it's just, like, the number of shots fired, it's, like, it's impossible. And these things never get looked into. They get memory hold. So it's just, you know, we're we're up against a big fight. Like, everything is stacked... Everything is stacked against like the common man, so we're gonna we're really gonna have to stand up, and we're gonna have to we're gonna have to give it our best go. Yeah, like I, you should hear about Stephen Paddock, right? Like that is the biggest mass shooting yeah. in United States history. You never hear a. It was one of them. I don't know if it was the biggest. I think like eighty people died or something. I think it was like eighty. I think it's like far and away. But... Sixty people, thousand bullets, wounding four eleven. So should, the, yeah, the incident is the deadliest mass shooting committed by an individual in the United States history. So why is that not run down? Like, why do we not know every single thing about that? It looks like a plant to me. I also want to note that this was... That event was the crossing point in the de-emphasis of gun control. When that happened... Over the next two, three days after it happened, right on cue, as it happened with every mass shooting that had occurred, especially over the past, call it five, six years before that, every politician in favor of gun control came out and used it as yet another senseless act of violence that we will chalk up to thoughts and prayers and, and not do anything about it. We must curb gun violence. And then once this story started to get weird and it went away in a second, all of them stopped talking about it. And we forget this. We do forget this. But I started to notice by 2019 that the 
volume of gun control talk was way down. Mm -hmm. And then the pandemic happened. And the one great thing to come out of the pandemic is that that arguments that they don't even bring it up. That arguments dead. Literally 75% of people, some of the, some of my friends who are left of the left of the left, who would have said, take every gun three years ago. That was guns. They own guns. Yeah, I would have I would have said take you know, after like a Sandy Hook type yeah. thing, I was like, you know what? That's devastating. Like take take every gun. But you know, go go have a look at Australia. Yes. And I now think that I understand the Second Amendment. Like they're they're these I know I keep saying like they're and them but there is like a there's like a cohort that's like really trying to like rip apart the fabric of society and like the little liberties and institutions that like allow us to be free and they want to take them all it it's very hard for me to figure out what is like i go back and forth with what is the intended psychology versus what is just a massive never ending loop of reverse psychology that's used so you talk about like the they and the them and the different cultural institutions of the people that are under attack and shut down or controlled whatever a main central source of this these days now is the tamping down of discussion Mm mm-hmm online yeah you and i only touched this for like a minute last time at the very end when we were trashed <laughs> so good 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 time to, to get back into Just it now dial it back up but one of the things that occurs to me these days and i don't know if this is me just having too much of a wanting to be optimistic lens or if it's also just so ridiculous now that it's real but one of the things that occurs to me is the whole Streisand effect that people talk about. Yeah. Be- and which is, it's a term from the actress Barbara Streisand. She, I guess she like wanted her house delisted from the internet like yes. a couple decades ago. She tried to block private beach access, which is a huge no-no even in California. Right. So what ended up happening is then everyone on the internet like posted about her house and, and mm-hmm. all that. So it was like, she tried to censor the information and it only amplified it after her censorship and the one source it amplified it to a hundred sources. So the idea is that when things are censored on Twitter or whatever, now so many people get a hold of it that they will amplify it anywhere where there's any attention and you won't mm-hmm. be able to get it in, in a box. What I wonder about sometimes though, is that the people, they, them, whoever's doing this, if they are either so psychotic that they can't see that that's happening, because again, like even if some of these people are evil, they're still smart, as yeah. we said. Or if that's what they're trying to do, they're tr- that it is in, it is the intent. The Streisand effect is the intended effect, and therefore, if that's the case, what is the what's the goal there? I I think that they're so greedy. I still agree with you that they're they're smart but wicked. They're so greedy that they can't... Again, it comes down to time preference, right? Like, Mm. they want that control now. Yeah. They're not willing to play the long game. Like, hey, let's rope-a-dope them into something that we can, like, really win, right? Like, they want the the instant win. 
So I think that with the Streisand effect, it works every time, dude. Like every time they try and censor somebody, the Rogan podcasts are probably the best and most shining example. It's been phenomenal to see. You know, you have to compete. Everyone, I believe, across everything should have to compete in the marketplace of ideas. Like, if you don't like what Joe Rogan has to say, that's tight. That's great for you. You know what? Debate him or whoever he had on. And, like, let's see what happens. There's nothing wrong with saying, you know what? I was wrong. Now you're right. The only thing you said a few minutes ago as a part of this greater point that I'll disagree with because you disagreed with it, I think. So maybe I misunderstood what you were saying is the fact that all these people, they, them, whoever they are, they're only looking short. They're not looking long. You put out last time we were on here, you had me pull up a video of the Russian KGB guy. And that was a couple months later. I think Rogan put it on his show and then it like blew up. I beat him to it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I had never heard of it. And then people, someone sent me the clip like over the summer they're like, bro, you got to see this. And then I sent them the link back. I'm like, Matt Kemenosh already pulled this up. <laughs> but essentially what he was saying is that we will beat them till their fat bottom falls in on itself. And he was talking about like the Soviet plan to over generations turn America against itself. And it's not – the concept is obviously it wasn't just the Soviets who were thinking of shit like this. Other people were too. Mm-hmm. And so I do think – I do think there's an element of that where they may make things look like it's short term, but that's where like my reverse psychology thought comes in going like, well, they had to know that was going to be a Streisand effect. So why do they want it to be? And what's the what's the next iteration they want to see from that? I love the paranoia. Yeah. It's, it's great. I mean, that's that's the critical thinking that's that's lacking. Yeah. And I think you're tapped into that. And that's that's great because. There's a limit on, like, adversarial thinking these days. Like, it's not allowed when it should be encouraged in, like, a polite fashion. And certainly, like, the Streisand effect amplifies it. Like, that's it's just such a good example. Like, rich Hollywood woman, <laughs> like, does something wrong, then tries to shut it down, and then everyone finds out about it, like... It's kind of an allegory for, like, everything that's happened lately or even probably for the past 30, 40, 50 years. Like, so it's a it's a good truth-telling mechanism, and it's a good lesson to, like, just dig underneath that what you hear isn't probably what what's actually going on. If you have nothing to hide, then there's nothing to hide. The truth requires no explanation. It requires complete transparency. It's the Grateful Dead touring of the truth. It's Bitcoin. It's Bitcoin. Makes a block every 10 minutes. Yep. It ticks along. China can shut it down. We can all look at it, too. You can see it in real time. You know, if I have to give you my last prediction for the next three to five years... It's time for transparency to win. It's time to give tools to people to succeed. Like, I want everyone to succeed, not the laptop class that's, like, bitching on Washington Post. 
I want everyone to have the tools to succeed. And I think economic empowerment and like ending the paper chase, ending like the, the hamster wheel. I really think that like Bitcoin can end the term paper chase. I really think it can, because if you're at the lower levels of economic society, you're always chasing the paper. You're always is the rent due is the utilities due. Mm -hmm. But if you have like a savings mechanism, if you have a way to like save and be smart, and I, I think people that are in those situations are smart, but they're just, they're set up for failure. And I want them to have an alternative choice where they're set up to win. And Bitcoiners versus everybody else, we want everybody to win. I want everyone on board taking all my bitches <laughs> with me. Like, I want everybody to fucking win. I want everybody to win. I want everybody to come on board. I want everybody to get on Bitcoin standard. I want every single person to win. I want every single one of you to win. And that's how I feel. Great spot to close it, dude. That was, that was a loaded one. As always. Thank you for coming in. Anytime. Everybody else, you know what it is. Give it a thought. Get back to me. Peace.